welcome to a very spooky episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who's troubled by strange noises in the night? Michael K. Hughes. I just want to say I love this show. I'm excited to be a part of it. And Bill Tucker, I'm too tired to think of anything. I completely <laughs> forgot we did that. Yeah, I'll explain in a second. Yay, Ghostbusters. Yay. I'm such a fan. <laughs> oh, I just seen the title, and, and as you heard the other Bill just say, we're covering the first Ghostbusters movie from 1984. 1984. Yep. It was more scrolling than I expected. I'm like, where is it? I know it's there. Where? <laughs> uh, so this was... No, and this should, and this will be our first spooky movie you're going to be hearing this this spooktober. We decided that we should go with something less spooky for the first movie and more spooky and odd for the second movie. <laughs> good, choice, <laughs> could say that. good choice of adjectives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, the best part is we we recorded these in opposite order, so sure. that's the best part too. Sure, because life. Originally, this was supposed to be Ghost Rider, but then Ghost Rider got taken off Netflix, and I did not want to buy or pay for Ghost Rider in any shape or form. So here we are covering Ghostbusters, and right. and and what a treat! What a good a good thing! This is a good thing. That was a uh, addition by subtraction. That yes. that decision. <laughs> yeah, it was a real tough pitch. I'm like, hey, we could do Ghostbusters. Mike's like, oh yeah, we could do that, and he's like, hey, Bill, what do you think about doing Ghostbusters? And he was on board immediately. So yeah, he <laughs> yeah. took no effort at all. No, that's an easy one. Easy. Which I, I'm I'm good with because Ghost Rider would have been painful. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not. I it's one of those mid two thousands comic book movies. You know, they're they're fine. I watched it during the time of this podcast less than a year ago. It's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's rough. It's really rough. I, I like Blade. I don't care for Ghost Rider. Well, the first one's okay. The second one is god awful. But we're not here for that. So. <laughs> We're going to be deep diving into Ghostbusters. I'm sure we all have memories of this movie. I know none of us saw it for the first time this time, like we like we do a lot of times uh, for this show. I don't think any of us saw it in theaters either. No, yeah, no. Not, I was not, not originally, yeah. yeah. I didn't see it in theaters, though. Okay. Uh, um, God, at the Mall of America, they had a special screening of this one time, let's say here, five years ago. That was my ex-girlfriend at the time. We went there and saw this, and, and I remember getting out of the movie, and the person was like, "Well, what movie did you see?" And when we saw Ghostbusters, well, how was it? I'm like, "It was Ghostbusters. It was great." Like, I'm like, what? you know, they do a super survey, and I'm just like, Ghost-. and I kept saying, "It's Ghostbusters." So I don't think they appreciated that. But that's what happened when you ask somebody about they like the movie that came out in 1984, and they're watching it in you know 2016. Yeah. I liked it. That's why I went and saw it. Yeah. One of the most cel- one of the most celebrated comedies of all time. How was it? Oh, it was terrible. Just a piece of garbage. <laughs> it's probably the best Ghostbusters movie you could have seen in 2016. Yep. <laughs> I've still never seen that one yet. Someday. Neither mm-hmm. have I. I have literally no interest. I, I don't. It's one of those movies. <laughs> I, I don't. Exact same thing. I can't. I can't hate it because I haven't seen it. So I, I, you know, I, I only know of its poor quality through word of mouth. But I, I just don't have. I just don't have an interest. I don't need to. I have this. And, I and really good too, so. want to see it, but I just haven't got around to it yet. Uh, it's got to be in honor of the show at some point. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> Not now. You guys will not let me. Or one of you will not be happy with me. Nah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, so this movie, I, I, I had forgotten a lot of this, how it starts off. It, like, it starts off with very, very eerie music. Kind of set a tone of maybe you're you know, going to be watching some, something that's not a straight up comedy at first. It felt like to me in the beginning. And you have it the library. kind of tiptoes the line between comedy and not quite horror, but something akin to horror. Especially in the beginning, that I don't know for some reason that original that first scene when I completely forgotten this, it, it existed. This movie where the librarian is walking down the sta- into the basement of the library and she's looking around 
and you see books move behind her, which I know are on a string. And <laughs> and then you see like the little cards come out. And I, you know, this is 2020. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those cards. I'm like, well, that's an ancient thing. Dewey Decimals are going to be best. I, I was going to say, if, if five points, whoever can identify that as the Dewey Decimal system. I was, <laughs> I was, I was curious if anyone would. First thing I thought of, it sets up a really, the, the tone is the best way of putting it. It's it's introducing us, and it does it does total line, Michael. That's exactly what it's doing. This is I I kind of like like it, it's like campfire spooky, you know, mm. like ghost story spooky. You know, it's not like scary. We're not doing horror movie. We're not doing slasher film. This is gonna be lighthearted tension. Um, but all those practical effects still work. You're right. Those books are on a string. Of course they are, <laughs> but they still work because of the framing and just. But you can't tell. No, and and you don't want to, right? Like you're, it does such a lovely job. And first off, I'm gonna also spend time talking about New York City landmarks because I, <laughs> I lived in New York. I lived in Manhattan for four years, and I'm from Northern New Jersey, so I know not a ton about the city. But I've I've spent I've done my time in 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 New York City. So seeing the New York Public Library, you know, which is that is that is where they're at. All those cool things. You, I'll I'll chat about as they come up because it's fun. Reminds me of my old stomping grounds. But yeah, no, it's it's a wonderful little opening, right? Build some tension. You kind of you realize what's gonna kind of get sort of what this movie's gonna be about, especially when it comes to the the you know it's the scarier stuff or the spookier stuff. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's closer to like a, a B movie than any kind of horror, like complete with theremin. That's how you know you're not quite in horror territory. Sure. The the yeah. music there, and sure. also I want to point out that the, uh, the the librarian, the living librarian plays Ray Finkel's mom in Ace Ventura and yes. immediately recognized her. I always forget that. Yes, I always rec- <laughs> I, Yeah, I did the exact same thing. Oh, where is she from? Yes, she is, you know, Finkel and Einhorn. You know. <laughs> I have very little idea what you're talking about, thankfully. Ace Ventura? Come on now. Little I football. Saw it once oh, yeah. When no, I was no, too young the, to appreciate it and I never little, saw it. Little again. footballs? <laughs> the little football cookies, laces out? Come on. She, she delivers the very memorable line Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rotten <laughs> hell. <laughs> oh, God. I got not to get off topic. I have to watch that movie again to see if it still holds up. Oh, that, yeah, totally. I hope it does. I hope it does because sometimes they don't. Yeah, like Avengers. I it <laughs> a couple months ago, and it was still it's still pretty great. Okay, all right. I I have to I have to see this again. All right. Anyway, hey, sometimes movies surprise you. You go back and rewatch them, and you're like, hey, this is actually better than I remembered. That's right. It's That's Voltron. Right. Like yeah. it's Voltron. <laughs> Nobody's heard at this point. No one's heard this yet. Spoiler alert. Oh my. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, so it's I, a great I, opening. And I do I also do. like the fact. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, just you're one. good. I, I just want to yeah. say that when all those cards are being thrown out and the way she's running and getting lost, like I really enjoyed that. It's nerve wracking, right? And and libraries are really spooky places. We, you know, people forget what they are nowadays. We don't <laughs> go there, but they can be <laughs> really spooky. Yeah. You know, long corridors of book. You know, um, if you play Mario sixty four, you know to watch out for tape uh, for pianos because they'll jump out <laughs> from the corner and attack you. But yeah, no, libraries can be really spooky places, right? Again, long corridors, really dark, quiet. You know, it's and her running from these cards, they're not going to hurt her any. 
is tense. There's a tension there. It's it's very well done. The the frame the pacing is great. It's it's a it's a very cool introduction to the, the again the the scarier quote unquote elements of this movie or the supernatural. Let's uh-huh. put it that way. I completely movie. forgotten of all this original part. And I'm watching this last night at, at ten o'clock, and I'm tired. And I was real. I'm like, this is actually like kind of creepy and spooky at first before you realize what you're about to get into. If you didn't know what you're walking into, it's setting up a different movie, but it worked. Yeah, this movie. She- not turns a corner and reacts to something off screen that we don't quite see yet. Like genuine fear. Which is also smart. Because, uh, don't show your hand just yet. You mm-hmm. know, perfect. And then you get the title card. Yep. yep. Pretty early. Yeah. Which you, you have to in a movie like this. Cause you not like you're going to go see Avengers for the, you know, for the <laughs> third time. Yeah, I know what I'm watching. That actually brings up a good point. I want to ask, is this the first appearance of anything Ghostbusters related? I think yes. so. That, well, yeah. Yes, I mean, the Ghostbusters name was something else, but yes. In, yes, it was the first Ghostbusters gotcha. of anything. Because there was a TV show or something called Ghostbusters that they had to they had to get the name from and almost got sued for. Right. But I, right. it was some it, nothing to do with these guys or anything like that. Right, right. Okay. So, yeah, I would definitely not pay to, to save the title card. People don't know what the hell they're watching yet. No, even even when you try to Google what the hell I'm thinking of, it, it Google is not helping me at all. So it doesn't. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because when the... the actual Ghostbusters cartoon come out, they had to call it the real Ghostbusters to differentiate it. Yeah. It, it, I just can't... Oh, it's called the Ghostbusters TV series 1975. Oh, yeah, so it's been around for a minute. Yeah, yeah so it, it, at this point, we're 84, it's been nine years, and I don't think this show did anything, so people didn't even know what the hell it was. It only ran 15 episodes, it looks like. <laughs> so the Ghostbusters franchise using that name is the best thing to ever happen to them. Because that's <laughs> the only reason people still talk about it. Yep. It's the, the other Ghostbusters. Exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like it lasted very long. It's two guys in their pet gorilla hunt spooks. <laughs> okay. As well. was the style at the time. Yes, yes, as as was in the fashion. No, I was wrong. It had, it had yeah, 15 episodes. Never mind, I was right. Okay, yeah, so it didn't last long. Okay. And one of the characters was named Kong. There you go. Like, because why not? You know, just... When you, the first thing you think of, just put it down on paper, <laughs> and then just don't and, and then run th- with it, and then throw your racers away because you don't you don't need them now. Like these motherfuckers um, ice skating uphill. That's it. Jeez. That's it. We'll keep referencing. We haven't seen that movie yet. You're ruining yeah. the timeline, sir. You're <laughs> <laughs> creating a time paradox, Snake. It's it. You're crossing the streams. Fish and so. nailed. <laughs> so, uh, so and also with the title screen this is the first time we get the classic theme music which uh still slaps that's a still damn good up. song damn good song yeah. don't uh, i'm sorry can't deny it i forget the story behind that song but i know he entered a contest or something and won that and that's how he got it to, to get his song in the movie yeah yeah I, I, I forget there's and this is actually something I was going to mention before we got started, and I'll just mention it now. This is going to be very strange talking about this movie because this movie's been talked to death. Uh-huh. It's been analyzed and reanalyzed, and they have that the Netflix series, movies that made us series, which I watched, you know, several months ago. So it's going to be very interesting for us to talk about this and not feel like, or for me at least, to to parrot other people uh-huh. who've already said things. So I'm just going to talk. The best I can. But it's interesting because, again, this is a movie that's been celebrated. You know, this yeah. a celebrated comedy classic. I would say star-making movie. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But anyway. It's yeah. fine. There, there's there's no original content on the internet anymore. So people yeah, know yeah, what that's they're a good point. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no, no one has an original thought anyway, right? So that's very, very, very true. 
Yeah, but I, I love this song. And I remember when it came on, even last night, I'm, even though I've heard the song hundreds of times, I'm just sitting there just jamming along, drinking my beer, happy as can be. Like, there's something about this song that just makes you want to smile, no matter what, no matter how many times you heard it. And I attribute it to the, the intro to the cartoon that I'm sure I watched an unhealthy amount of back in the late 80s, early 90s. I never, I haven't seen that thing in years and no recollection <laughs> of it. Indeed. So then we, uh, so then we end up at Columbia. Columbia University. When Bill Murray shows, he's an asshole. Uh, yeah. He's just immediately unlikable in this movie. Well, but that's not really true, though. It's that's what makes that's why he is the perfect casting for this. I don't think anybody else could have done this because he's painted to be this lecherous sleazeball, this con man who's only out to get laid and and scam people and uh-huh. be kind of mean, but he's exceedingly charming. And exceedingly likable for no reason other than he's he's Bill Murray. <laughs> That's really all I can say. I'm not a big Bill Murray fan, by the way. Really? I, I kind of found out over the course of this movie that I'm really not either. Really? I, I think he's fantastic. I especially in this movie. He is he I guess I don't know if he's an acquired taste. He he's very clever in how he kind of s- schemes. But boy, oh boy, is he just a real you know dirtbag, you know? Well, he's... Also, Bill, Mer- Bill Murray wasn't the first choice for that character. It was supposed to be John Candy. Oh. John Candy's too sweet. I, there was yeah. no way that would have yeah, worked. Yeah, but that's what originally it was going to be John Candy. But I think John Candy wanted two Rottweilers with him on the, on the set or something. So uh, they didn't go with him. Something stupid like that. That's okay. weird. That is strange. John yeah, Candy's but... got too good hearted, I would think. I, at least that's just from what I've seen. He would have been seen. a completely different character, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray, he's kind of, John Candy's kind of an asshole in Uncle Buck, isn't he? That's true. I think so. Maybe so. that's what going off of. No, I was wrong. He was supposed to be Rick Moranis' role. Okay, I was wrong. Okay, Uh-oh. that makes yeah. a little more sense. Okay. Yeah, I, can see. I forgot that, because oh, I knew he was supposed to be this. I knew Eddie Murphy, but I confused what I was talking about until I started Googling. But yeah, so Bill Murray was supposed to be on here originally. Bill Murray was the one that wouldn't sign the paperwork at first, I think. Because huh. apparently that's Bill Murray, from what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> he was... He was saving all of his dance cards for uh, the Garfield movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, yeah. I, I, the card test is interesting. Like I had for, I had completely forgotten this movie existed. That that part of this movie had existed, where he's sitting there with these two college students and doing some like, you know, they can see what the number, the, the symbol is on the back of the card. And every time the guy gets it wrong, he shocks him, and the girl gets it right, even though she's wrong every time. He's like, oh, you're right, and just keeps. Because all I try to do is sleep with her. <laughs> Naturally. Which is really, like, as Bill was saying, really freaking sleazy. He was a college professor, and he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to get laid by students. And it's interesting. I don't know how that would fly today, right? Like, are we are we too, as the kids say, woke to kind of allow that kind of joke? I don't even know. I just thought of that, like, huh. We're all, we're, we I, are too old for all the words you're using. <laughs> I know. It's fine. I mean, look, we all we, we all live on the internet. It's fine. That, that's why I said, that's why I qualified it as saying, as the kids say, you see. I'm not going to say that myself in natural speech. Please, come on now. I'm a college graduate, but I mean, it's, yeah, this is a, uh, yeah, it's pretty uncomfortable actually. Like, wow. Yeah. Like you say, he's a college professor. who's trying to scam some, uh, some sleazy with, uh, with one of his undergrads. It's, it's, it is kind of gross, but for some reason, Bill Murray sells it well. Um, again, because he's being clever and charming and very funny. And it, I don't know, maybe it's just juvenile physical humor, but Watching him zap that poor, you know, fizzy-headed dude 15 times is very, very entertaining. I love that they're being paid for this, and he's like, and 
As he storms out, you can keep your five dollars. I will. Five dollars <laughs> to get zapped over and over I, seriously, again. Jeez. It is yeah. not worth it. And it's just Even good. In it, it's, yeah. And it's extremely effective at setting up uh, setting up the character, his character, right? He's sleazy. This is who he is. Uh, you know there's gonna be a mini arc in here. He's not gonna completely change who he is, as we are gonna know. Again, good effective filmmaking. And it's fun. It's a clever scene. And then Ray enters. Just <laughs> I kept just, forgetting his name. When, when this movie started, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember Dan Aykroyd's name. You could have remembered his act, the, the name of his character, or his the name actual, of the actor. Actual name? Oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I was like, wait, I know that guy. And then Jeff just looks at me like, what? I'm like, oh, I can't remember. He's like, eh. I'm like, oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Kind of looked at me. Dan Aykroyd just playing future Dan Aykroyd as a character. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, actually, at that point, he was still existing. He was evidently one of the big um, impetuses for him with this movie was he was super into. The, the supernatural. He's always been into this, uh, the supernatural side of things because he did write it, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he wrote it with uh, Harold mm-hmm. Ramis. Yep. And that was his inspiration, his fascination with the supernatural and turned into a comedy, I guess. Um, but it's, um, yeah, and exactly, it turns into, you know, now future and current uh, Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> who is officially a crazy person, but we all love him from <laughs> Ghostbusters. So it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it turned uh, out he's a lot more nuts than you thought. He's harmless crazy. It's okay. He is yeah. harmless crazy. Yeah. He's not spouting, you know, racist stuff or being just gross on the internet. He's just he's just crazy. It's fine. <laughs> you just be crazy on your own there. Um so he enters uh you know just as uh just as Vankman is ready to seal the deal um or seal the, as he thinks. He thinks he's going to seal the deal probably. You're not wrong. Just yeah. as he's about to like, you know, really close in uh, Ray shows up and ruins everything <laughs> and tells him that they got a call uh, about a uh, an apparition in the library, the one that we have just pseudo seen. So I like this. And I like how he doesn't want anything to really do with it either. He's just like, I, I just want to go sleep with this college student. I don't yes. want to go yeah. do, it, do anything. He's a scam you, artist. He's a You guys man. go check it out. And I'm going to stay here. <laughs> yeah. I, and the, the, the very skillful way he kind of directs Ray away is like, that sounds great. You guys go on ahead and I'll stay here and catch up with you. <laughs> Again, just that kind of manipulative, but somehow, some way remaining extremely likable in the it's just it's a personality thing. It's a thing you can't. You can't like teach that. That's a really just good casting, really good casting. Because again, that character could have been detestable because he is, you know. But for some reason, he reads as yeah. Again, I'll say it for the 80th time, charming and charming and clever, even though he's being gross and <laughs> disgusting. I didn't find him charming this time around, but I, I will agree with you. Yeah, uh, me, me neither. Like it gets worse when when Dana falls for it and it's like. Why? What? What? Okay. There's some. There's some. We'll get there. I mean, there, there are. Yeah. There is some redemption there. I, I actually have my a lot of my theories on exactly what you're talking about. But again, we'll we'll get there because I don't think she falls for anything. But we'll again, we'll get there. She's a good character and a good actress. But like when you get to the library, I like how you have uh, Harold Ramis, Egon, already kind of like doing his thing and trying to figure out what's happening. And like that was interesting. You know, he's and the real- one that actually wants to be there and, and believes in all this, where Bill Murray's character's like, eh, I, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, Bill Murray's just there for the to, to make money without doing anything um, <laughs> with his fake pseudoscience and just kind of scamming off the, the university, you know, scamming off Columbia. I, 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 I just want to pause real quick on Ray as a character. I, I love his character, his earnestness, you know, and this is where we're now seeing the, the three as like as balancing each other out. Because, um, again, you have again, we have Venkman, who's the. The jerk who's just in it for the money. He's a scientist. He likes science, but he's been jaded. 
he spends his entire life in the in the academic system. So he's kind of just jaded by the whole thing. He just wants to ride it out, do his pseudoscience. He's probably interested in the things he's studying, but he's more interested in everything else. And then you have Ray, of course, which is he's the he's the gung ho. Let's he is fascinated by this stuff. He is driven. He is earnest and good hearted. He's kind of a heart of gold kind of guy. And then you have Egon, who's just the brains. He's just science. And he is almost a block of wood. <laughs> that I don't mean that, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't, because because Harold Ramis is phenomenal in this. They're all phenomenal. He's 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 like your bedrock science guy, right? Um, so uh, it's it's just they balance each other so well as like a triumvirate. And then Ernie Hudson shows up, and he's kind of there, which is fine. He's just hey, there, so he plays the straight man. He's got the straight man. Yeah, he plays the straight man. He has a couple of good lines. Uh, he has a he has a couple of pretty really very good lines. But anyway, that's uh, I, I. What do you guys think about Ray and Egon as characters? Uh, like you said, Egon's kind of like that stereotypical scientist nerd. He's all logic, no heart, and Ray's kind of eighty twenty heart logic. Yeah, I feel like Vankman kind of becomes the audience audience surrogate too because he doesn't care about this stuff so he has to have everything explained to him yes which is a good opportunity to explain it to the audience too right exactly and that's half the point yeah i'm say half the point but that's a big reason why he's kind of so blase about it like what's this mean again and then that like you said they get to explain it to everybody including him and us which but, yeah. it helps out the movie because otherwise it, not everything would make sense like the whole I mean, because also, like, when you have the library, when they find the librarian that's been, you know, traumatized by the ghost, and you have Bill Murray just being an asshole again. Like, <laughs> oh, my well, my uncle thought he was St. John. So that would be a big yes. <laughs> like, you or anyone else suffer, anyone in your family. But it's just, and he goes in something else, and he just, he just being an asshole. He's... You know, y'all make me feel bad for laughing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, it's I, meant I, to be I, laugh. It just, I, he just felt, he just comes off, like, you, you know, he just comes off with the sleazeball character that kind of redeemed himself later on but at the same time this was the you know 84 so and plus wasn't bill murray like huge this time i don't remember Mm. if he was a huge was he huge at that point uh this this is post caddyshack right so yeah that was he was he was he because he was snl and i don't want to get too off topic on on bill murray and his career because you could spend the rest of yeah this is post caddyshack you're right so he would have been pretty good pretty big this time yeah I don't even think Caddyshack was a big draw, though, back in 1980. God, 1980. But Saturday Night Live would have been. <laughs> SNL, probably, yeah. And he was uh, he was in Stripes, which was also yep. directed by Ivan Reitman, which we didn't talk too much about Ivan Reitman, but he no. directs this beautifully. After this, though, this was when he – after this, he was now a household name. But he was in a bunch of stuff before then. Yeah, so. he'd been a pretty – I mean, he was a pretty famous actor, I, I feel. Yeah. Like. I mean, plus, the, the world was different back then because there was no internet, so things would have, you know... You'd be watching the same movie over and over again, or watching, you know, when it came on TV, different things that cause you didn't have as much as we have now. Fair enough. We're in the library, and they go on their little ghost hunt, you know, after I, after Venkman asks if the librarian was menstruating. Yeah, <laughs> it's he's, just like rude. I said, he's an asshole. That's rude. I, that's sho- that shocked me. I was like, what? That's- I do like that bit where the, the other guy is like, what's up doing things like back off, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> He's just God. Yeah. But funny. I, yeah, I, I, I laughed at it. What can it's I funny, say? but yeah, yeah that, was, that was good. It was good. <laughs> Don't Being a scientist bit. is a act however you want card that he can play. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost the kind of thing where we all wish we could kind of do things like that a little bit, you know, like just kind of have that kind of moxie to just do things like that. Even though it's wrong, we all know it's not right. It's still, I think, in our primal nature to want to have that kind of confidence 
And that's the other thing too, extremely confident, which I think is very important for that role. Mm-hmm. It's the whole part when they're when they do when they're going down there and they see all the goo everywhere, and I like the you know when Egon tells got Bill Murray's character to get the goo and he just does he's like I come about mucus and it just <laughs> it's funny because you can it only doesn't seem like he wants to do it and I'm assuming the actor didn't want to do it either quite because the things that happen later we'll talk about when we get there and when they first see the ghost in that famous scene where she's sitting there reading a book and then she does you know she shushes them and then they're like okay we you know we'll, we'll leave her and then they, you know they kind of hold a plan and they charge at her to grab her because you know <laughs> grabbing the ghost is what works yeah Ray's, uh, Ray's big plan of get her <laughs> I know it's still well, funny. Then. And that's and, and they, fa- oh god sorry. They run at her and then she screams at them and turns into like a, a horrible looking, you know, ghost zombie which is still held up practical effects oh, still yes. look good. Oh yes. Still holds up really good. Effective effective scare if you don't know what's coming that's going to that's going to give you a jump. That's that's yeah. very good. It gave them a jump all right when they run out of the freaking library. <laughs> they don't do anything. They're hired to go like to do something, but they, they just completely run a library, and then this scene is never touched on again until the video game, which we covered in episode fifty-six, which leads into other parts of the story. Yeah, they got the they got their goop, and they got the the readings, so they can use to they talk a little oh, bit yeah. about the uh, the proton packs. I I never caught that one little line where he says, "Now that I can I can do tests and figure out how to trap ghosts." I never caught that line until this viewing of the movie. Yeah, it's 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 pretty quick. Again, they're just they're like basically doing reconnaissance, and I don't even know they weren't even hired to even get rid of the ghost. I don't think. I don't. I think they just heard a tip that there's a ghost here. So yeah, they just went there. They're supposed to keep it on the down low. I'm assuming probably, but oh yeah, I mean that's it's the New York City Public Library, <laughs> the famous <laughs> landmark. We don't want to have ghosts running around in the basement. I kind of want to see the library now someday. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. It's cool. It's very cool. I take you been there then when you when you were living in in New York. Yep. Yep, you can actually get a library card and go there, and pick out a book. It's a library. It's actually a proper working library. It's cool. I think like once or twice. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not. I don't have any interesting stories about seeing ghosts at the library or the lines in front turning into things. I just, yeah, I've been there a couple times. It's neat. Okay. Uh, this made me think of that because you were living there. I'm like, hmm. Oh, yeah. No. So and this is often they get back to the college and they find out they're getting fired from the college, which is amusing. Like, this, I recognize that actor. I can't think of his name, but I know he's from other '80s movies, and he's probably you know just one of those characters. And he's and he's firing them like it, it's it's still amusing. He's like, I'm tired. You guys aren't even scientists, and I'm tired of your and mainly all Beckman that he hates mm-hmm. over his character, which which is completely justified. Yeah, we're like we feel the same way basically. <laughs> like yeah, actually, it probably makes sense. Although at this point, we we spent a little bit of time with these characters, we can really feel. Oh boy, this is really. Now we're we're hitting a downslope for these guys, right? They they're out of their comfort zone. They got to do something, you know. So uh, it's a good scene, though. Yeah, they're you know getting rid of all their stuff <laughs> as they're talking to this guy. All their stuff's being you know, it's carted out. <laughs> all their all their electronic equipment and all their gear, and they're gonna get defunded by Columbia, which is no bueno. They're just they said we're not gonna pay for you anymore because you're not doing anything. You're not producing any results. So why are we keeping you? Doesn't have that funny line afterwards where he's like, "You don't know how it is to work the private sector. They they expect results or something <laughs> like that. It's it's funny. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot. I mean, it made it made more sense to me now that I'm older than before. But now I'm like, okay, now I get it because if you work in a college, sometimes you can kind of, I guess, maybe get away with stuff more. I don't know, but it was funny. It's all 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 in the uh, all in the name of academia. It's yeah. it's like, oh, we're we're just researching for stuff to learn <laughs> things. It's what academ- academics do. We learn things to make. More learning happen. I don't know. To write books. 
So it's, it's not like as a producer result, but they're probably saying like, but you're just doing, you're just zapping undergrads with, yeah, with, you're just with electric trying to sleep with people and trying and trying to get, trying to get some. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know how uh, effective it is. That, that scene outside of Columbia, um, which is, and that is shot on site. That is Columbia university in New York. It's, uh, it's, I love that when Ray is, uh, what are they drinking in that? I almost want to say cough syrup, but I don't, I don't know what they're <laughs> drinking. It's not booze. I don't think. Maybe it is. I didn't look close enough to see what it was. Yeah, it looks like some kind of brown glass bottle. Like yeah, I, I don't know. I was fun. I was looking at it like, and my wife said the same thing. She's like, I don't know. What is that? What is that? Uh, what is that liquid they're drinking? <laughs> I think um, it's implied to be booze. Yeah, so I thought it was when I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess it is implied. I guess. Oh, but that's right. That's was, the, oh, go ahead, Sorry. The next part really cracked me up, especially because I just bought a house at the time of the story. <laughs> when they go, they go to the bank and they're leaving, and, they, and I think Bill Murray's character, like, yeah, nothing wrong to have a third mortgage on your house. And the interest rate's like 18%. And they're like, oh, you'll pay $95,000 the first year in interest. And I'm just like, ah! But this is actually interesting, too, because this is all Vankman's idea. This yeah, is, you know, shit. Well, but still, but no, no, no. I'm saying just to go into business, to like start this business, right? Yeah, I or took it is- it as a con man being a con man. Like, I need somewhere to go and somewhere to live for a little bit. So we're just going to screw you over and I'll go live with you for a bit. Yeah, I didn't read it that way. I read it more as. You know, when he's sitting there, again, he's trying to convince them and use his skills of conning people to kind of get his way. But I I do think he wanted to start like, hey, let's start a business. Let's do something for ourselves. He, um, he I don't have, think. The, yeah, go he ahead. does have a line. I don't remember if it's now or just a little bit later where he says that they pretty much monopolize this one industry that no one else can can replicate. So there's right. there's money to be made in it somewhere. Right. OK, yeah. so maybe it's less than that. I'm just thinking, yeah. of, you know, con men who you know do terrible things in this country. That's all. Because that's the only thing, and that's the other side of it too, is that Venkman, for all his faults, he still is a scientist. Like he still has a P- two PhDs. You know, it's not like he went to you know Kinkos and you know <laughs> and printed out some diplomas and put them on his wall. I wouldn't put it past him based on his past experience we've had with him <laughs> thus far. But yeah, I I, I get that. Like, hey, let's you know, just like you said, Michael, we have experience in this thing that no one else has. He has that wonderful line: "Call it fate, call it luck, call it karma." I believe everything happens for a reason. And he has, as he's trying to lead Ray into this adventure that he wants to do so he can just make, so he can just replace his income. We're really, but um, like you said, yeah, which is part of it. And again, he's doing crappy things to people who are willing to take leaps of faith in, in the wrong person to take a leap of faith with. But yeah, I don't think his, his intentions are completely villainous. I, I never read it that way. Okay. I, now that you explained it, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Like I just really hated this character, <laughs> of him, but it it really made me laugh. Like it it was it's a line that I wouldn't I never found that funny. But now that I went through everything I've been through, I'm just like, oh, the part that got it, it just cracked me up. And then when they go and buy the old fire, they buy the old firehouse, right? They don't just rent it. Oh no, they buy. Yeah, they yeah. they strip to buy it. Craig on lists off the, the the laundry list of defects. I love that. And Ray comes in. Does this still work? This place is great. It's like of a. He's a kid. I mean, he, he, his bubbly enthu- – yeah, he's a kid. His childlike enthusiasm at everything and his childlike disappointment at everything is so <laughs> endearing and cute. And his delivery of the lines is just – he's like his staccato machine gun type of delivery is just gorgeous. And man – and yeah, like you say, he's like a big kid. And he's like, let's stay the night. Let's get our stuff. 
<laughs> you know, test it to try it out. And hey, Ray, you're a scientist. It's a pole. It doesn't have to work or not. It's just a pole. Like you, <laughs> it, there's no moving parts in this thing, sir. You can you can just slide down on it. Does oh, it work? It moves quite a bit, actually. Oh well, yeah, they use it. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. And that's and that's a real that was a real building in New York, right? Isn't it still standing to this day? I yeah, say. yeah, yeah. You can. Go, I forget exactly where it is. Um, I want to say downtown, but yeah, it's still there. I think they actually have the Ghostbusters like sign on it, and you can go and check it out. I've never been there. I've walked past it, but I've never actually walked in. But yes, it's a it's a real abandoned firehouse. Okay. I ever get all the, the location. All the locations are real, and I believe everything is done on site. So that's cool. Someday, it's always one of my, well, someday, if I ever go to New York, I will definitely try to check down that building to walk by it and get a picture. Yep. Just yep, yep. I, I don't need to go down those stairs like in the movie Joker, but I do need to see this building. <laughs> I don't need to dance downstairs. Ghostbusters uh. headquarters, 14 North Moore Street, New York, New York. Yep. North Moore Street. I think that is downtown. Isn't everything uh. downtown New York? <laughs> no, 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 no. In order to have a downtown, you need an uptown and, and a midtown. You need all of those towns. They all got to be there. It's yeah. Without without those, it's just town. So you tell I never been to New York yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and another thing that, that kind of cracked me up when oh, this is again, this is just the right time, right place. It would never affect me before when they're buying the building. They just buy the building. I'm like. That doesn't make sense. Where's all the signing of the paper? Where's the month of paperwork <laughs> they got to sign and fill out and taxes of their proof of their, where they work? I'm like, come on now. I was like, I just, yeah, like I said, I just bought a house and I went through all that crap. And it's all I could think of. Yep. Again, it, it, it's not, it, but hey, it's a movie's there. got, yeah, movie's got a movie. As <laughs> just, Michael says, that's all I was thinking. That's got to go. We got to move on. Anyway, I, it's fun. And and when you first see Sigourney Weaver, cause I could not remember the name of her character <laughs> at all at first. It took me a minute. Yeah. Of Dana I mean, there, Bear until the there, subtitles. There is no Dana, so that's right. Until so the subtitles showed up, I didn't know who she was. I'm like, I can't remember the name of the character. That's why in the notes it just says Sigour- Sigourney at her apartment. And one thing I never noticed before when she come after she meets Rick Moranis's Rick Moranis's character and he locks himself out for the first time, and she's going to her apartment and she's putting out her groceries. She the box of marshmallows she has with the package says Stay Puff Marshmallows on there. I never yes. noticed yes. that before. My wife noticed that this time. I didn't either. My wife, she pointed out, stay puff marshmallows. My wife did too. Very good. Uh, See, both foreshadowing. That's it. That's it. We married up. We picked <laughs> out the stay puff marshmallows. Awesome. It was. It's oh. funny. Like it's such a little thing, but it's funny because it plays such a big part later in the movie. But it would mean nothing to you. But they're like, ah, eh, you know, we're gonna put this right on here, and and the and the they're right by where the action is happening, right by the egg. So you wouldn't even really be looking at the marshmallows, but they're right there if you're paying attention. And then when yep. I do, I love the scene when the eggs just start frying on the counter. Right. That is still it's... cool and creepy. Whatever happened to Rick Moranis? Speaking of him. Oh, um, his wife oh, yeah. died. Yep. And then he quit acting. Oh, yeah. I suppose that's good enough reason. I think he's coming back for the honey. I shrunk the kids reboot though. He is. It for shrunk yeah the rick moranis story is actually extremely tragic and sad and he is one of those golden-hearted people who just he, he's just a golden-hearted person yeah his wife passed from cancer and he realized oh. yeah i can't raise my daughter and travel for acting so i'm just not gonna act anymore that was it for 23 years didn't did never really he did some voiceover work but he just said you know what i got honey i shrunk the kids money and ghostbusters money and <laughs> I don't really need to do this thing I love anymore, so I'm gonna throw it out, throw it all out the window, and just take care of my kid. And, and she uh, died in in '91, and he worked until '97, then he quit working. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was just, he, he's like, I couldn't, I can't handle the travel and have not be around my daughter. So, yeah, which sense. is extremely sad and sweet. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a good hearted dude. That's a hard thing to do. So, yeah, I saw my, I always, when I always see Rick Moranis, I think, God, man, that's just, can't yeah. imagine that kind of decision you have to make. Mm-hmm. But he's wonderful in this. My God, I love Lewis <laughs> so much. He is, and again, this might be just a New York thing. New, you, in, if you live in New York, you have that, you have that neighbor. <laughs> that neighbor exists in your building or on your floor. This weird person. I when I lived in New York, um, my across the hall neighbor was. I was in a very skinny building, and I had a. There was four apartments on my floor, and the lady across from me, across the, the long skinny hallway, she was she was a crazy cat lady, very sweet lady, <laughs> very sweet. I she, great. Uh, she was a little insane. Like I went to her apartment once to pick something up. She must have picked up a package or whatever, and like everything was pink pastel pink and purple and she slept in a in a um in a bunk bed but it was just her so she had like a bunk like a kid's bunk bed hmm. she was a crazy person but <laughs> sweetheart a sweet sweet lovely lady uh so i can't i would never say anything mean about her but she's uh she yeah we all it, that's a new york thing it had that 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 weirdo it's like weird but off. A, a very new york personality and i read that and when i saw that apartment she has man i was like man hey that's not an apartment she pays for that <laughs> um well and here's here's a little fun fact for you a personal fun fact you won't get anywhere else this is not on the internet folks so pay attention so that building um which i i always call most people call the gozer building is a real building that's in a real apartment on central park west i think it's 55 or 65 central park west i had a friend who i lived in, when i lived in new york who lived in the apartment building next door he lived next to the next door to the Gozer building in the apartment next was like 55 or 45 Central Park West. So I used to see that building all the time. And every once in a while, you'd see people taking pictures in front of it because that is that building. Um, I don't know if that apartment is part of it. Um, whenever I see people in apartments in New York, I always think, how much are you paying for that place? I know how much I paid for my little, uh, little apartment on the Upper East Side all the way east on 74th in York. I know how much I paid. With a lot. There's uh, a guy from from the Overblood Facebook group that were po- that were part of. Every so often, will post different like for before COVID hit, would post like jokes like, "Hey, look, a seven hundred dollar one closet apartment." It was literally a bed in a closet, and that's what they were advertising it for. I was like, <laughs> that, that's what that's what you get. Only seven hundred dollars a month for a rent, like yeah, and it, and it was real. He was. I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't live in New York. So yeah, uh, there's a reason we left. Uh, yeah, there's only so long you can pay two grand a month for four hundred square feet of apartment. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's only only so long you can do that. Um, <laughs> let's put it this way: my my friend and I we're not we're not friends anymore. He's a bit of a creep, but we'll move on <laughs> with that. We used to go to his place, and um, he lived on the 14th floor of that uh, building, which was close to the close to the top. And his apartment faced uh, Central Park, which again you'll see Tavern on the Green, which is the restaurant that Lewis runs into when he's attacked by the by the uh, by the Zool dogs. And that is geographically accurate. That is where he would go if he ran out of his building and went that direction. He would run right <laughs> into Tavern on the Green. We and we used to sit. We used to go there on Thanksgiving and watch the Macy's Parade come by because that's where it starts in that area before it gets down to Thirty Fourth Street. That's where it starts. So yeah, I always get very nostalgic when I see that. You know, of the of my old days in New York. And I can tell you right now that that apartment that she is in, <laughs> I got, at that today dollars multi millions. Let's put it this way. I know how much my friend, my ex-friend, sold his sold that place for to move to move across the country. 
I'm not going to disclose how much he paid, <laughs> he sold his apartment for, but put a couple of, uh, put at least, you know, six zeros behind a number and you can oh, extrapolate, extrapolate for, your, for your, extrapolate for yourself. So, I know New York's terribly expensive. Anyway, I went on a little bit of tear. I apologize, but <laughs> I had to share. That's like my little fun fact, my Ghostbusters fun fact. I have a friend who used to live next door to the Gozer building. You can move on. <laughs> that is a fun fact, though. It is. And for me, I guess. I don't the real, real question is, is her apartment the uh, the nether fridge? Is that standard? Is that just her <laughs> No, I think you have to like you have to get you have to sign something with the super and they have to install a special for you. I don't I don't think they all have that one. <laughs> Rick Moran's character is hilarious in, in this movie. Like it really works. And I and I had forgotten that he gets locked out three times throughout this movie. <laughs> Every time he comes out of the apartment he gets locked out. Every time. Right. It's such good comedy. And I just realized something about his character. He never stops talking. Yeah. <laughs> never no. stops. It's probably his directing direction. It's just, yeah, just keep keep going, stream of consciousness, whatever. Just it just doesn't stop. It's very, very good and very, very funny and awkward. Now he's great. <laughs> now, a little tip actor. little tip for the listeners. Bill is talking about every building has that person. If you don't know who it is, it might be you. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. That's it. Just check yourself, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're walking out of your apartment. Just take a quick look around. There's no crazy people. A little self-reflection. Maybe. <laughs> oh, and then, then it jumps back to when they buy the car for the first time, which it's, I mean, it's still funny when you see the hearse just pull up. And when he's like, All right, well, I got it for 4800 I'm thinking to myself, man, this is 1984. You paid a lot of money for a car with the brake pads, the brake, the transmission. Oh, you man. start listening yeah. everything is wrong with it. I'm like, you did not get a deal at all. I think I had more problems with it than the building did. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> was a lot. And again, it's just Ray being a child and getting this thing. Ooh, look at this great thing I got. And there, and of course, Venkman and Egon are like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. And like how he really doesn't know what he's doing. Like, it, it, you have that. You have where the secretary shows up and they have, you know, they got, they've got no calls. Nobody. No, I mean, they're open up. They have that. I don't remember if you saw the commercial yet. Yeah, it's uh, when we first see Dana in her apartment. Oh, okay, that's you, I did not write that down. Yeah, but that that commercial is still funny. That's oh, great. Yeah, it's very good. And but <laughs> I like how they're they're getting nothing. Like, nobody's calling them. They're not getting any business. Nothing's happening. You know, and it isn't that much longer after this part when they're like, "This is the last of the petty cash that we have." When they're eating Chinese, so it's like you better enjoy. It. Like I mean, they're already about to be bankrupt within what less than a month or something. I would say it feels like. Yeah, it's they're they're. Uh, I think it's yeah. funny. It's, Whatever Ray wants to do with the money, they have to do because it's it's basically his. Right. So they mortgaged his parents' house. So he wanted the fire station, so they got it. He wants the old hearse, so they got it. <laughs> yeah. No, this is – it's. I also – it's funny. Uh, I don't want to paper over Janine, who's, who's great. Uh, I, I love that character too. Again, very New York character. Uh, that's a, a very kind of abrupt and get to the point. My, one of my favorite lines in the movie is Ghostbusters. What do you want? Yeah, I, I just, I one. love that. Like that, her timing is always good. There's always a weird little pseudo relationshipy thing between her and Egon. She's I, trying. I think oh, yeah. she's trying hard. Yeah, she's <laughs> trying. Right, like that. With the first time we see her, Egon, I guess, is fixing something underneath the desk, and it <laughs> certainly looks like something else was going on. And she, of course, coyly plays it off. Right, um, she is trying. Handy. Yeah, very <laughs> handy. <laughs> So uh, I like her character. I think she's very good. And I don't know. I can't remember the actress who plays her, but Annie Potts. Most oh, people okay. probably know her as Bo Peep from the Toy Story series. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right on. Okay. I forgot about that. Cool. 
I didn't uh, know that. One or the other, I'm not I sure. I guess most people probably know her from this, but secondary, Bo yeah. Peep. No, Bo Peep, she's just a voiceover. Yeah. This is, she's in two movies. So, and then this is also when Sigourney or Dana shows up to the to the Ghostbusters place. And, and again, right away, Bill Murray's just being another, another sleazeball, too, because he's talking with her. And then, you know, they don't believe her at first. And they're like, well, she thinks she's telling the truth. She's like, I am telling the truth. And Sigourney Weaver's always great. She's she's such a great actress. Oh, and, yeah. And then when they go they go to her apartment, and I, I like how there's one part where, where Bankman's like, oh, I'm going to go. I'll check your bedroom. Nothing's happened in the bedroom. Well, you can't be too sure. And it's just like, God, you are a sleaze. <laughs> Yeah, and for all the wrong reasons. Um, I do want to say how good Sigourney Weaver is in this movie and how what a great character it, it she is because she's not like this helpless damsel, you know? She she picks up on his sleaze pretty quick. She's wise to him early. But I and what you guys are saying, there's there's some scenes where she kind of fall, fell for it. I think she was actually fine with it. Again, the, the the film really alludes to her being kind of alone in this big fancy apartment. A, lot, a few scenes of her just being alone, putting away groceries, that mundane kind of life. Not mundane. That's a terrible thing to say. But then, no, just kind of the everyday life of somebody who's probably, you know, single. Right. And even, especially later on in Lincoln, in Lincoln Center, when she's with the, the, the cellist or the, the violin player, it gives off this air of she's kind of a little lonely. And she I think she likes someone who's just abrupt and brash and wants what he wants and, and not afraid to go after it. And I always picked it up, at least this time was, oh, she's actually kind of into this, almost like being into a bad boy, right? Like, yeah. you're not you're not the right, you're not Mr. Right, but you're right now. And why not? You know, hey, let's give this a shot, which is a very cool little twist to a character that would normally be more, um, just a cool twist to a character that could be played off as very just, again, damsel in distress, girl in trouble, that sort of thing. And they don't do that, which is at least not yet, which is nice. Yeah, that yeah, makes but sense. Even then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> uh, like you said, she's talking to the, the the other bandmate later, and he's just this very stiff, boring guy. So Venkman's probably a nice change of pace for her, someone with confidence, like you said earlier. It's uh, different. Yeah, I, I can buy that. I can see where he's going with it. And this is also, and, and there's that part where Venkman's walking around with whatever the hell he has. And he's like <laughs> doing reading. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, Sciencey stuff. Like he's not doing anything. He's just no. being a con man. <laughs> Looks like a what do they call it? A fumigator. He's just spraying for weeds. Yeah, and then they, when they go in the <laughs> when he opens the fridge because that's where she saw Zool and stuff. And he's like, oh god, look at all this junk food. And he's just and you see the cans of Coke like right in the center, advertising Coke. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like oh, product placement. You actually eat this stuff? All this junk food. But you know what? So in the movies, I did kind of want a Coke when I saw that. I was like, hmm, I could go for a Coke right now. <laughs> so. It worked. I didn't get a Coke, and I won't buy a Coke, most likely, but I did think about having a Coke. Yeah. Whatever she's eating is doing good for her, because she still looks great. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. It, it's it's amusing, and then also when he leaves, this is when you have Moranis get locked out a second time of his apartment. Yeah, because he hears the door shut, so he assumes it's her, so he comes out. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as if he's always by the door waiting, you know, like just listening <laughs> for that. Oh, yeah, like there's a... There's a part later on where she's walking by and he has a party going on and he just pops out like the moment she's all being quiet. You can hear the music. He just pops out like he just like I didn't think about that. Hey, he's just waiting for her. Because <laughs> yeah, at that point, she's even like tiptoeing trying to be as quiet as possible. The guy's a little. As Bill said, like, you always have one of those people in your apartment building. I mean, I don't have any here and I don't think it's me because I could give a shit about other people in my building. <laughs> but I, I do know my my mother-in-law lives in an in a older building. For 65 and older and yeah oh, they watch they know everything that's going on in that building 
everything. They were, they were talking about, oh, your 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 um, daughter and son-in-law have been showing up a lot. We don't we don't see anybody when we come, but they see us. They're always watching. <laughs> like it's funny. Like they'll say things to her and she'll be like, "What?" And yeah, you just realize, oh, they got when you're. I guess you get to a certain age, you got nothing better to do but watch people. They just sit in a room like the architect from the Matrix, just surrounded by the <laughs> yeah, camera feeds. <laughs> oh, and that always means. But yeah, and this is also when they go back to the the headquarters, the firehouse, and they get their first call, which ends up leading to the hotel. Which I'm that hotel is another famous place from New York, right, Bill Sedgwick? I'm assuming it's definitely a name I've heard before. Yeah, I, I I don't know. We lost Bill for a second. It looks like so. I'll just talk. Uh, when you get to the, ho- the hotel, is interesting. Like I like it. They're they get the call. And they're like, oh, you got to be discreet. And of course, they're the moment they get in, like we're here to yeah. keep some ghosts. Like, have they seen any ghosts? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I had to. I had. To. Oh, you're good. I just didn't notice right away. I'm like, oh yeah, he's muted. Oh, he had to step away for a second. Yeah. So the Cedric Hotel is that a real place? I don't remember which hotel it was. So I don't know. Was there? An, did it have a name or? It, it's oh. Sedgwick. Sedgwick? I don't know. I've never heard of it, but I'm sure a quick... Really, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to spell the word Sedgwick. How do you spell Sedgwick? I don't care. G-E-W-I-C-K, Sedgwick. Uh, I don't know. Ghostbusters <laughs> Hotel. It sounds like I, it might not be real, though. Or maybe I can't tell. No, Sedgwick, image of Sedgwick Hotel in New York. It's real. Yeah, yeah, the Sedgwick, okay. I love that I Google Sedgwick Hotel, and the first thing come up, there are like three different Ghostbusters links. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That tells me what the hotel's famous for. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a evidently a five star hotel. Where is it? I'm curious now. Hmm. Ah, well, I won't take up time Andrew on the show. Park to find Avenue. Out. Wait, no, that's IDW. Let's let's find out the real. Or... God, yeah, that's weird. When you search something, you didn't think it would be. It's in Albany, New York. Does that mean anything to you? Albany. <laughs> okay, seventeen nine seven one right uh, route twenty two Berlin, New York. Does that mean anything? That means that means it's five hours away from Manhattan. That's what that means. You okay, can't so it's Albany. not in Manhattan apparently. No, wait, no. The Central Hotel is a five-star hotel located in Manhattan, New York. Okay. <laughs> That's not all, but I, I can't figure this out. <laughs> and all such so other places at the same time. He's not like, wrong. Like, Everything that comes up is Ghostbuster link. <laughs> I can't get... And I mean, it looks like a real place. Like, oh, a real place where they filmed this, but I can't get anything. Because <laughs> all roads lead to the Ghostbusters Hotel. Huh. It's not, it can't be in Albany, like I said. That's a hike. They had to go, they had to go north. Yeah, they had to go to, all that... All the links that first come up are all Ghostbusters stuff. And the things that come up are the Ghostbusters video game. Like, I want the real thing. Oh, that's there's got to be one in Manhattan now. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, no, Albany is the capital of New York. And it's about five hours from from Manhattan. So, like, I found images Mm -hmm. of it. You know, real image. Well, real images and Ghostbuster images. (laughs) I can't find anything that is helping me say where it's at. I'm just getting different names of cities. All right. I got got you now. Go ahead, I got Go the ahead. ultimate Ghostbusters map guide to New York City and lists every landmark except that one. Yeah, it's not real. So uh, <laughs> oh, okay. the Sedgwick is fictitious. The scene was actually <laughs> shot in Los Angeles at the Millennium Bitmore Hotel. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, learned something new today. That would explain why nothing's coming up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so it, it's not a real place in New York. It's, I think it's the, maybe the only one. So, huh? I'm surprised. All right. I feel like there's got to be five. I mean, I know there's five star hotels in New York, so you, but I, maybe they just didn't want to go through the trouble of trying to film in it. You know what I bet you the big thing was, which we'll get to a point when we get to Lincoln Center, they probably couldn't afford it. it though it, it is exceedingly expensive to shoot in New York. They probably blew half of it on Columbia alone. You can't just walk up to into Columbia, set up a film camera, and start shooting. It's extraordinarily expensive to to shoot in New York. Maybe they just couldn't afford it. Or maybe there wasn't a hotel willing to do it. Like you said, there's tons of old hotels that would be perfect for that. That look just like that. 
So because that looks like a Manhattan, one of those old classics like the Kimberly or, you know, any of those kind of old classic hotels that still exist in New York. It looks like it. So you're, you're right. I'm surprised they couldn't get something. But yeah, I mean, as much damage as they do, are they there? I wonder if some places just didn't want that kind of PR attached yeah. to their name. True. Yeah. You know, they, they, again, very old school, you know, snooty New York style stuff. Right. Anyway. So before we get too far into the scene, they got the Ecto-1, they got the proton packs. Like, how much time has passed? Like, granted, they're not doing any actual work, so they have plenty of time to focus on this stuff. But the car alone would take weeks to get in that state, you would think. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say maybe a month. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, I wouldn't say too long. I mean, they have a commercial. They have stuff going on. So only a couple months is all I can think at most. I mean, to me, it felt like a month had passed or a couple weeks. I, I would say at least a month just to assemble that sort of stuff, Yeah, just to get it together. I can buy the fact that they can get these things together quicker because they've been studying this for years, yeah. you know, so they and know they the time. science. Yeah, and they know the science already. Like they, you know, they already kind of understand what they need. They just got the final with with that, the interaction with the, whatchamacallit. Well, actually, no, we're going to get the final interaction when we interact with Slimer. With the interaction, they've gotten more information. They've got more data than they never, ever had. So things are starting to link up for them on the science side of stuff. So It's a long time to keep Dana waiting for, for some kind of contact. Oh, I know. Back to her. Seriously, yeah. Because <laughs> the car yeah. is still in a state. Because when she first walks in, Ray's working on it. And now it's fully functional. <laughs> I didn't yeah. catch that. That's kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, back in the, back in the hotel. I, this is when I, I do love that elevator part when they're in the I didn't catch this before <laughs> my other my other previous watches and they go in the elevator. They're like, we have an unlicensed nuclear, you know, nuclear something on our backs. And you just see the other like Egon, and the other guy just walk, step like up against the wall. The, <laughs> oh, they're like, really? If it's you're you're done anyway, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, like wrong. even before that, before they even get on the elevator, the guy waiting. Like, what are you, guy. some kind of cosmonaut? <laughs> now we're exterminators. Someone saw a cockroach up on 12. Must have been some cockroach. It'll eat your head. It is for going up. It's oh, wait, so good. <laughs> it's, I love that guy. It's such a, it's just a fun little exchange. Nice little comedy beat uh, before we get into something a little more quote unquote serious. Cause again, now they're stalking where the movie's slowing down its pace a bit. And right. We're upstairs. Gonna, yeah. The first thing they do is shoot yeah. the maid, shoot the maid's cart. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of that too, my wife picked up on this as well, is that as he's walking away from the cart, you see her in the background trying to put out the little fire with her spray what, her spray <laughs> bottle. Oh, I miss that. Oh, it's so good. It's very funny. It's, you, you see in the background, you don't really you can't you don't notice it unless you know to notice it. Clearly, I like a lot of this because they're clearly not good at this. Obviously, it's their first time with these nuclear photon accelerators on their back, and the technology isn't great because it's just like these wavy lines, you know. So it's clearly not refined. They feel homemade. Everything that they're carrying. Then again, they're just not good at this, right? Yeah. They're just in the end, they're just three scientists. And as as one show I like put it when they did a, a huge thing on Ghostbusters was this is really about a movie about three people starting a business. <laughs> it's yeah, really much. It, it's what it is for half of it at least. It's just they're just starting a business and the and the pitfalls and the, all the problems and the ups and downs. It's kind of what this movie is for the first half of it it feels almost mundane and we'll get to a point later on where it feels mundane but this is great this is excellent this again this is kind of cementing them a bit of us as a team you know they're initially they're apart right each one's got their own section of the floor to do <laughs> Split up. Right. yeah we can we can do more damage that way yes we can destroy more things that way <laughs> um <laughs> stalking slimer 
who is pretty gross. I forgot oh, yeah. how, how I'm so used to the real Ghostbusters cartoon where he's yeah, right. adorable. Um, yeah, he's not adorable when he's eaten the first time you see him. No, at not at all. No, he's not. He's not pleasant. Remains unpleasant, but it's awesome. It, it, it's uh, they're causing some damage. So now you're seeing firsthand what these proton packs will do. Right. They're not they're not pleasant. These things are in, you know, nu- nuclear nuclear weapons on their backs. <laughs> God, they can't aim. They can't aim. They don't know what to do. And they can't they physically can't handle this. You know, their sticks, you know, they can't handle them because they don't know what they're doing. It's great. And then we'll they'll go through this period. We have some sliming going on. It's the first time the term I got slimed is coined. <laughs> it's still funny. It was still funny when that part when Bill Murray gets slimed. It's very cool. good. Second time he's had goop on him in the movie. That's it. He's gooped. And he'll have a few. He'll have a couple more moments of goop on there as well. <laughs> a couple more goop moments. Yeah, but not... Uh, wait. Yeah, there's a, there's, I have a question when we get to the final scene with the goop. Yeah, yeah. But I think I, I think I have an answer for that, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Like I, I, the Peter gets slime was pretty damn funny, though. Like I, I did laugh at that. When, they, when he goes in the banquet room, and I, I love this part. They, when they go downstairs, like, oh, slime went in the banquet room. They're like, we got to go in here. Well, they lock the doors, and they're like, okay. And, and you know, you have them you know, trying to catch slime, and then all of a sudden you have the guy be like, everything will be fine. Your room will be ready for your party as soon as your guests arrive. Crash, crash, crash. <laughs> Yeah. The shot right after that, when he says it to the lady, your, your room will be ready, whatever, for your for your party. The next shot is them t- tossing a table to the side yep. and glasses. <laughs> they spray, they're making room for the for the trap. And what's cool about this, too, from a from a character building standpoint, is at first you had them all separate, right? Separate rooms doing a separate thing. Now they're coming together as a team, right? Naturally, they're now in one room in the ballroom. They destroy the place. I mean, <laughs> just the chandelier broke my heart. Yeah, the first thing they do is take out the crystal chandelier. Yeah, that's probably been there since 1920, right? <laughs> take that out. Don't need that. And then you get to see them work together. You learn about the streams at this point. Don't cross the streams. Every atom in your body will explode in the, at the speed of light. <laughs> Okay, you could not make that more clear. Don't do this. That's the movie really saying, pay attention, kids. Don't do this. It's great. It's so funny. Some really good comedy beats in there. Um, and they get Slimer. They they finally drag him down into the trap. They ensnare him in said trap, and they catch their first ghost. Love the design of the trap. So good. Phenomenal. And I swear that was a coaxial cable sticking out of it on the left-hand side. I was looking at it, like, that looks like a coaxial cable. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet it was. Like, it was like, yeah, it's work out perfect for the prop. Like, you know, it's, I don't know, that's all I could think of. Did, uh, I, did anyone else have the, the toys of this stuff as a kid? I had, I, I had the, I mean, the real, I had the real Ghostbusters stuff from the cartoon. Right. Yeah, there's no, it's brighter colored and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, I had the entire set. I had my aunt, some for some reason... I don't know how she got her hands on it, but she got her hands on the entire collection of Reels Ghostbusters stuff. And I liked the show, but I wasn't like a super fan. I had every single figure (laughs) and ghost and accessory and everything. I had it's probably all still sitting under a bed somewhere in my mom's house, I'm sure. So So no, my brother and I had the the trap and the proton pack, and I think we had the EKG meter. I had the trap. I remember playing with that all the time. Now I know what you're referencing. I never had like the wearable stuff, like the real. I had. I got you. I had had action figures. I had more action figures, like like the Ninja Turtles style stuff with like again the Echo Echo One and all that. No, I never had those, but I had cousins who had them, and I was insanely jealous of their proton pack (laughs) and their damn trap with the foot pedal. Yes, I had cousins who had it. (laughs) Speaking of Ninja Turtles toys, my brother and I we were so spoiled as kids. We had like. Every Ninja Turtles, we had all this Ghostbuster stuff. Like, 
looking back on it, we were so spoiled. Not not to turn this into a not to turn this into a toy com- tom- conversation, <laughs> but I will claim that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pizza thrower toy oh, yeah. is the, awesome. one of the greatest toys ever made. It, I, one of the greatest. Those things yeah. were hard. They fired them fast. <laughs> you could take out an eye with them. They were wonderful. Yeah, we had that too. <laughs> uh, yes, I remember Chris getting that for Christmas. Anyway, anyway, back to back to the Ghostbusters. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, they snare the they they charge the hotel manager their their five thousand dollar fee, Jeez. which sounds nowadays kind of reasonable. But back in nineteen eighty four, I'm sure that was like who knows probably who know, double that in inflation easy probably. Oh, yeah, and a lot of money. I love his rationale. Oh, we can just put him back. It's fine. You don't want that. No, 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 no. Please don't. And because <laughs> and of Egon, Egon going to wipe his face and then just kind of holding up the four fingers, like, oh, that's 4,000, another 1,000. <laughs> they have no idea what they're That's the best part. They have no idea what they're doing. No, they're just, they're, just, they, they're just making it up as they go along. And because of that, they become celebrities. Yeah, they caught a ghost. And I guess word gets out and they become successes. It's a great little montage of uh, this is, I think, yeah, they have the great little montage. Um, they have young Larry King on the radio. With hair. With hair. Yeah. They, uh, they have, there's ghosts everywhere that they're, uh, they're snaring. They're getting famous. Casey Kasem is talking yeah. about them on the radio. Good old Casey Kasem. Shaggy himself. That's it. And, and That's you right. had the music. And I think you had the, the ghost. Yeah, the theme song. And you had the theme song. Yeah. Great. And uh, the, the you know the more important parts of this whole sequence is Dana sees them gaining their notoriety, so she's starting to think, huh, maybe this guy isn't just a crackpot who's <laughs> trying to almost almost assault me in my apartment. I, I no means no, sir. But she started to realize, huh, okay, this guy's not a complete creep. She evidently he is, you know, somebody who at least said can do what he said he can do. So. So my big question here, I had two big questions throughout this movie. One of them is why this building, which I know they explain later on. But why do the ghosts suddenly start appearing more frequently? Do they do they ever touch on that? Yes, because of what's coming in with Gozer and stuff. OK, it's just a time thing. It's kind of again, and they reference it quite a bit towards the end with kind of biblical references yeah. to revelations and end of days. The, the talk that uh, Ernie Hudson has with Ray in the the car later on, but yeah, I didn't know if that was directly referencing what was happening. Yeah, that the way I took yeah. it was it, it was like it was like a timing thing. Like you know, we're getting to the point where where um you know Gozer is going to return, and you know that's basically this was you know the building. Was, oh, we're skipping ahead, but you know the building was designed to be a giant magnet, right? So right, right, cool. Yeah. It's cool. Also, it's easy to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, feel like you have, during that montage, you and then just right after the, all that montage is when you have Ernie Hudson shows up finally in this movie. Yeah, he comes into. Uh, he needs a job and he's hired immediately. <laughs> Which is like an hour into this movie too. Like I, I had forgotten he shows up that late. I know originally he was supposed to be way earlier in the movie, but he comes so late in this first film. Yeah, I, I mean, it, cut, okay. the timing works because, like we said, they're they're picking up business, so they need someone to to help out because it's. To the it's the same scene where Janine hands him a list. She's like, "This is tonight's work," and it's just like this paragraph things they have to go out and catch. So it would make sense that they need more help. Yeah, I, I like Ernie Hudson. Actually, fun fact: I actually I've probably said this before on the show, but I'll say it again anyway. It's been a while. I actually got to meet Ernie Hudson once. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he he actually lives here in Minnesota in the, within the Twin Cities, and I was at I was at a where I work, and he comes in my store, and I'm just like. And, and, he, and he goes in line. I'm like, that's Ernie Hudson. And 
you know, I, I started talking to him and I'm like, you know, and, he, and I forget he, he, he was doing, I forget what he was doing. I'm like, I'm like, how can I help you, Mr. Hudson? Because I mean, again, I recognize him right away. <laughs> so I just called him by the last name. I'm like, you know, I didn't want to call him Ernie, so I don't know. I'm like, I'll call Mr. Hudson. So I just started talking to him. Real nice guy, you know, and I, I kicked myself that I wanted to get a picture with him, but I knew that my boss would not have been okay with me doing that at the time. Other bosses yeah. wouldn't have cared, but my current boss at that time would not have been okay with it. That's a that's a professional thing. Yeah, I yeah. Well, yeah, he would have been. I mean, Ernie Hudson seemed like he was the kind of guy you could ask him. He'd be like what I've seen because I've seen I'm part of Facebook groups. I've seen people that had met him at the at other places and got like he's nice enough to help. You know, you can ask him; he'll do it with you. But it was more from, of just from what I understand, Ernie <laughs> Hudson will will take a picture with anybody because he desperately wants people to remember he's Ernie Hudson. <laughs> see? But it was it was funny when I was talking to him and he's like and he was telling the story. He's like. He'll, he'll people will come up to him like I recognize you from some you like he look like you I you look like that guy he's like I get that sometimes he'll just say that and walk away like he won't tell who he is he'll just, if they don't know if they that's say, fun that's familiar. fun better than what funny. Bill Murray does there's stories about him walking up and taking food off of people's trays and be like no one will believe you and <laughs> just walking away <laughs> <laughs> that's such a Bill Murray thing to do yeah but, he's yeah uh, it was super cool it was he was super friendly. I never ran into him again, but it was like a real, it was a real cool moment that I got to meet Ernie Hudson. And he's never come to a convention in, in Minnesota. Like he lives in Minnesota and I've been to many conventions in the last, before COVID in the last five years and he has not been to one yet. Like I really want to go pay to meet him and get his picture with him, you know, the way the convention way, but I, he hasn't been to one. I'm like, he, he was in a convention in Florida, but nothing here. And I'm like, why you live here? <laughs> but I guess he doesn't yeah. care enough. Yeah. Very so, interesting. Here's my rant. No, that's cool. Yeah, that's 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 pretty neat. I love his introduction where Janine's like, do you believe in all this weird stuff? And he's like, uh, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe whatever you want. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really love how this this is the scene where I where, where everything is now turned. The business is successful, like you've said, and it's now mundane. This is not exciting anymore. Right. <laughs> They look at that list like, oh, great! What two more, two more free roamers or whatever they called it? You know, you know, whatever they called the ghost name was. This is now mundane. This is a job. This is a business, and you know they need help, and it's it's become routine. And I love that about this because again, these guys aren't superheroes. You know, they're just a couple of schlubs who have a business who happen to be you know, like like they said in the beginning. We have the market cornered on this, right? Nobody else is doing this. Let's do it. But they're not, again, big heroes. Again, they're just working guys. This is now just a business. This is their job. I imagine some of the romances probably been stripped from it, right? Because now if you're doing the same thing every single day, it becomes routine. <laughs> I don't care what you're doing. So yeah. it's it's very it's a very interesting period of the movie because there's a scene I think along this line too where they kind of explain the containment unit because they're explaining it to Ernie Hudson. Egon, right? Egon explains it to Ernie mm-hmm. Hudson. Um, the containment unit they're saying it's getting kind of full uh, which again implies that they're doing a lot of this work. My question is where were all these ghosts before, right? Were people yeah. just assuming their refrigerators <laughs> were shaking because the compressor was bad? I guess. I don't know. So that's kind of what I was wondering about before. Like why did this suddenly start? So maybe they were there. They just weren't as active until recently or nobody nobody believed them in enough to even think that's what that could be like oh wait my my books my books are out of order but all right i guess i put them that way maybe i came home <laughs> drunk one night and decided to rearrange my book collection <laughs> but no there's a there's a there's a creature back there there's a ghost doing things i mean i also yeah. do believe personally that if we have something weird happen to us our you know if it was something supernatural our brain would try to find some way to rationalize it to help cope with what happened in yeah. general like so Percy even Jackson. 
<laughs> I, I don't I don't get the uh, the reference. That's but okay. Unfortunately, it's, I do. It's a movie. I'm, just, I'm pretty sure it's a movie. It's a movie you never need to see, but there's an episode on a podcast you should listen to, but you never ah, need yes. to see the movie. I've heard of this yeah. podcast. What is this show? <laughs> All right. And this is this is when you have you have Dana with her, the musician guy, and they're coming out and you have Peter dancing at the fountain. Where he's just kind of being odd, and I feel like that was all just Bill Murray being Bill Murray, just like oh, I'm just gonna stand here, I'm just gonna start dancing on one foot and just acting stupid just because I can. Yeah, I don't think he had a whole lot of art direction for most of these scenes. No, I felt like Bill Murray just being Bill Murray. I don't think he gets a lot of art direction from anything. <laughs> like you know, Caddyshack, he wrote his own part basically. Like that, he just he was supposed to be a bit character in Caddyshack, and he was like, no, I'm just gonna build this character and do all these things. Most of his performance in Caddyshack is just improv and him messing about and turned out to be gold. Uh, so this is this seems great. Again, this is kind of her. We're seeing a connection developing. I never catch like a love interest. I catch it slightly romance, romance, but also intrigue. Obviously, he's attracted to her. She's probably attracted to him in a weird way. Not probably not in the same way. But I, I like this because it's showing you know, a connection, right? Something growing, a relationship building that's a little different than you see in a lot of movies because it's half at half at um not adoration, is that right? Half respect, like almost. She kind of respects him. He's a scientist, but and he's God, somebody he's, kind of famous now. He's on and TV. he's famous, mm-hmm. and he's, he's famous. He like, you know, showed that he's a legit. That they're legit people. They're not just con men. You know, right. like it. Like at first, what she thought when she first met him, like it gives them. So I would say, I think intrigue's a very good word. Yeah. And amused, yeah. maybe interested, but yeah, yeah, I don't think any romantic gotten there yet. And I still think she probably finds something, you know, very, very, I'll say, very sexy about someone who's that bold and confident, who's going to yeah. just like dance around the middle of Lincoln Center, you know, or just check out her rehearsal. Like, how did he even get into her rehearsal? And he's famous yeah, now, but. Yeah, but, but still, you have a point. You know, right? Like, just, I'm just going to do that. And he's going to be direct. And there's probably something very attractive about that, you know? Unlike the stiff that she's walking out with. And I like that juxtap- juxtaposition because that guy's probably who she should be attracted to, right? World famous musician. They have similar interests. They're in the orchestra together. They have opportunities to interface on a daily basis. But no, you're boring. You're standard. This guy, this strange dude who went to my apartment. Pretended to find ghosts just for the sole <laughs> purpose of trying to seduce me. <laughs> that takes some. That takes some cojones. That takes some mm. guts. So I, I, I really think I love the way her character builds because again, she's not a damsel. She is in on it. She gets who he is, and she's okay with that. She's like, oh, you know what? I can, I can, I can deal with that because there's something about this guy I really dig. And plus, it's cool to see Lincoln Center. That is a uh, location that is exceedingly expensive to shoot at. That is, I think, a day. Well, this was the last time I read this was a couple of years and years ago. It was like twenty five grand for like a day, Damn, just wow. just to set up your cameras on Lincoln Center. Cl- they got to close it. Like you have to, have per- you know, oh. you have to have. You have, you have to close it. You have to block it off. You have to have your production assistants do all that sort of thing. And yeah, it's exceedingly expensive. So when I saw that shot, I'm always like, man, they had to fork over some bucks. They really must have <laughs> had to have it at Lincoln Center. Because uh, again, that's a, a landmark place. Very cool place to check out. If you go to New York, definitely worth stopping by. Okay. And I bet it, I bet that scene was probably filmed in one day. Like we get one day to do this, guys. Hurry up. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was a day. There's no way they, they did more, <laughs> more than one. No, and it's geographically accurate to where she lives. 
it's you know in the sixties, <laughs> you know, uh, up there, kind of by uh, Central Park. So yeah. And this is the next thing you have when Peter does get back to the place. I also didn't realize that Bill Murray is kind of almost like the main character of this movie. It didn't dawn on me back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I kind of picked up on it. As I was finding that I wasn't really into his character. I'm like, he's kind of the lead. He is. I mean, it should be Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> but in this first movie, it really is Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. No, that's, yeah that's... I mean, to be fair, he is the most interesting character. The other two are kind of one note. They play to that one personality type. But he I seems like to be more. the only one that's got some some depth to him. And I this is when Peck shows up and he's waiting for Peter when he gets back to the, the firehouse. And I know... I know this actor is, you know, known for playing this asshole in this movie. And I, and I remember in the in the documentary that I watched that I was going to rewatch for this show episode, but forgot to. He was hated for a long time after he did this movie because people were like, <laughs> you're that asshole. The Ghostbusters, they did go chase after him. I, 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 kid, I kid you not. My, my wife last night when we were watching it said, does that guy play an asshole everything? Like, is, is that his like thing? He just plays assholes? <laughs> yes. I'm, I don't know. I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I don't. Re- I recognize him, but I don't know. It's just funny you said that because that was my wife's thought. Was I think he's like he's like he's like the asshole guy, right? Like he just plays jerks. He's like, oh, that's the the dangers of typecasting. That's it. Hey, listen, but you know what? Actors got to work. So hey, listen. I'm looking at his uh, movies right now. I can't remember anything. I don't know him. In, I haven't seen most of these movies, but I I wouldn't be surprised if he played an asshole a lot. Well, he's fantastic in this. He's a Oh, tremendous, actor. tremendous jerk in this movie. So it works out well. And I like this word. Like, it's all about where he's trying to get more information and and Bill Murray's kind of being stupid about it. Like, oh, where do you contain the ghost? Like, oh, right here. Like, all you had to say is off, off, off site somewhere else. All you had to say is like, but you give him information that you shouldn't be giving him because he's asking in a way that you don't under you don't recognize what he's really up to. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. Like to me, like. Because anytime, in my opinion, if you're ever in a situation like that, depending on who you're talking to, you might not want to admit certain things. You might want to be like, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about, sir, and just play stupid. That's always been in my head. But it, it, it's an amusing part. Yeah, I, I saw it really as as his brashness working against him. You know, okay, his, that's a good way to put it. Like He's like, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm Peter Venkman, dual PhDs. Look at the, yeah. look at the wall. Like, what are you going to do? Peck even Fine, says later that it's like, I just want information. You want to be an ass about it. So this is and how he's we're going right. to do it. He's right. He's literally right. He's like, I just want to see it. And because, again, they know they're not supposed to have it. Um, they could probably could have worked something out. They probably would have been like, all right, look, you guys can't have this. You need to get some permits. Let's figure it out. But, you know, Vankman being Vankman just, you know, basically told him to go screw. So he's like, Fine. I have no problem getting a court order. That's that's easy <laughs> enough. Shuts them down a little bit later. But yep. and this is when it jumps to the roof of the apartment and you see. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought the scene was so creepy when you see the statue of the dog come to life. Yes. Mm. And I didn't catch this before. But when they show that, they show the roof of the apartment because that the, the, this this apartment really only has 20 floors. It doesn't have most of it is all fake. Like the roof is all fake. But. You know, now that I know more about filmmaking, it's a matte painting that you're looking at at one point, which is a you know a normal thing in the '80s. And I just never really, I never, I didn't realize that until the last couple. Like I was an adult, and I'm like, realize how much time things are matte painted that, that they then film the painting, and you think it's like you know something else you're looking at. You're just looking at a painting. Yeah, the effect always works. I love. Yeah, I, when I they really do, do like that. It. It's a it's a timeless effect. The artistry in that kind of style of art, you know, matte painting and artwork like that is just it's great, and it, it works. And that that scene still holds up. It still looks good when the lightning and the and all that stuff is, you know, the roof, like you said, it's all that everything above the 20th floor is is made up. Uh, this um, is, it, hey, that 
Bill get the joke. That scene holds up more than seeing Blade jump off uh, light fixtures in Blade 2. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Holds up better than that. Yep. Sure does. Uh, I know you know what I'm talking about. It, it'll, we'll, we'll watch it next year, probably. But oh god, if, and that scene has lived with me in infamy. It's just so bad CGI when he just goes flipping off a thing, and you just just like, oh, this wasn't necessary. Yeah, not great. Okay, enough of that rant. But <laughs> and then we, uh, you see Moranis get locked out again. We skipped over the uh, the Twinkie talk. Oh yes. man, the, the big Twinkie. That's all or, you. Well, it's just Egon's kind of painting the picture of how the rest of the movie is going. Like bad things are about to happen, and he compares it to. To a giant Twinkie. And Ernie Hudson says that's a big Twinkie. And that's the scene they use in Zombieland when they're watching Ghostbusters. Oh, really? Okay. It's, yeah, it's a very good, it's a very good illustration. Again, this, this movie is very good about showing us, teaching us stuff and showing us, giving us plot points that we need to know um, in very clever ways. And this is extremely clever. Uh, It's basically telling us that the saturation of paranormal activity is reaching a dangerous level like there's like something's going on like our the ghost levels going up and also that kind of explains why they have so much business now because this is kind of literally that dead rising because of the coming of gozer and he's basically saying like again like you said the twinkie this would be a twinkie that we whatever 35 mile whatever how many miles he says it is and it's very it's a very good illustration so and it's a cool part moment. there's a there's like a straight up horror moment the part when she's yeah. in her apartment she gets out, she's in her apartment, she's talking to her mom about how she has a date tonight, you know, with one of the Ghostbusters, I gotta let you go. She sits down in the chair, and you see, like, this light coming from the kitchen. She looks at the kitchen, all of a sudden these hands, like, burst out and just grab her. And it is just a straight-up horse scene when they, when they, those hands are holding her, they, as the couch is pulled, or the chair is pulled into the kitchen. It's not great. <laughs> it's creepy. It's also. This the second hand completely cops the field too. If you yep. didn't notice, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, it does, it does. I, I, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the pace again. This is this movie. Um, you could probably put this into a college course about pacing, how to pace and frame a movie. Because uh, again, the pacing is great. You have something mundane that's happening. She's talking to her mom, talking about something that's pertinent to the plot. So it's not just gobbledygook. She's talking about her date. Peter, you're learning that she's kind of interested. Like she's almost coy, right? Like, yeah, mom, I have a date. All right, I know. So she's clearly excited about it. She refers to it as a date, which breaks Lewis's heart, by the way. <laughs> Poor Lewis. Okay, well, you, you can bring her by and let you guys can come by later if you want. We'll still be here eating our, our shrimp cocktails and our Nova Scotia salmon. That's a pretty good impression. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> So, so thank you. So I, yeah, it's a really great moment because, and then as you get that, as the tension starts to turn, you know, things are not looking right. You get the glowing from the door. I think that is, again, the horror of those hands coming out. Again, practical effects. It's a dude in a glove, but it works because it's earned it. It's been sold to you and you're now buying it because this movie has um, earned those moments. Again, even though it's just you know some guy's hand in a glove popping out of a couch, <laughs> right? But yeah, again, it works and it's very, very effective. Bit of horror. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, it's it 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 hit me more this time than any other time that I watched this movie. I'm like, oh, but I think that's more. that I'm just more aware of things now, and I it just out of older. So it it was it's it's good though. It's and then when you go to the party, God, like you were just bringing up the joke about the Nova Scotia salmon. And then, I mean, this guy like, like, oh, I got that for a deal. It's normally fifteen twenty five dollars a pound. And I got it's a lame ass. <laughs> yeah. like, 
<laughs> oh god, the one part that got me that made me laugh, like when when these people come in, he's like, "Oh hi, this is uh Bill and Chuck and his wife and his he he owns a small business, carpet cleaning. You know, and his wife she's been collecting the settlement for the last two years. They've been living off of that. Oh, and they're and they have they're almost two years left in their house being paid off. They have eight percent interest rate. It's just like <laughs> so, why." Because he's an accountant, he's an accountant, yeah. and he can't stop talking because he because he is he is uh, he is um damn it he's Hammer from Iron Man two he's well, it, yeah, well. he's it Hammer from Iron Man two I'm listening but, to that and I'm like you shouldn't be saying all that but it's funny and he's just I was laughing I'm like well, okay. He, he says at the top of the party scene that he's writing it off as a business expense because he yeah. hired clients instead of friends, yeah. or he, he uh, invited. Yeah, he invited. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. He's like, yeah, I invited my clients, you know, because they're a business expense. So you know, instead of my friends, because you know, I got to pay for. It. Oh man, is he? Is he just? He's just a motor mouth. But God, does Miranda sell that so well? It's it's <laughs> wonderful comedy. It's great. Oh, like the part I like when he he throws the coats in the room and he doesn't even notice that the dog <laughs> is in there, and then he's like, "All right, who? Okay, who brought the dog?" Like it just, it's uh, oh, great. And now funny. you get the you get those wonderfully aged, just like oh, fine Bordeaux, those uh, <laughs> those those, those aged like effects. a fine cheese. Yes, <laughs> tasty, tasty. Like yeah, I was gonna say the the effect that holds up the least is whenever that dog moves. Yeah. The practical effect works. Like if, when there, it's just sitting there, you know, when there's someone just in a robot costume, like moving a head, a stationary head. It works. I'm into that, but yeah, those. I don't. I don't know how they did that effect. I don't think it was whatever computer effect or well, I guess not a computer effect in '84, maybe not. But whatever the effect that was, just has not held up. And it's, and that's one of those things. You have to grade that on a curve, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. what, what do you what do you expect really from? It is very brief, though. Like they did, they did. A, oh, it's tried great. to do their best to make it like, oh, look, yeah. the dog jumped. Oh, we're not, we're on to something else. Like they, they do, mm-hmm. but they the, the the tension of him running out of that building and like it's like I'm being chased by a bear. And they're like, they're and the guys are making fun of a bear. <laughs> bear. It's crazy, and all of a sudden the thing comes running past them, and they're you know they're not as. They're kind of believing it, and there's one line that I gotta bring up. One of his quotes too, when and that when this is happening, I'm gonna bring this up in the next tenants meeting. They're not supposed to be in the Oh, I can't do as good a as a good impersonation as Bill, but as oh, God, he does yeah. such a Rick Moranis in this movie. Yeah, and like I said earlier, he they he he runs from the from the from the path he takes again this is a, i love attention to detail in movies i really do i think it's i think it's great when when they when filmmakers do this he the path he takes out of that building and the direction he takes across central park west to go into central park and then smash right into cavern on the green which is no longer there they closed <laughs> i don't i don't they closed they, they, they closed is really cool again most people wouldn't notice it but if you're from you know, from new york or from that area and you know that neighborhood which i know decently it's it's uh, it's very cool. I, I I love seeing that when with filmmakers have that kind of attention to detail. Um, they continue that as they move forward. I love he said he's he's banging on the window. Tavern on the Green, by the way, is an extremely expensive restaurant. One of the more expensive restaurants in the city. Um, classic old school, been around for sixty years type of restaurant. Again, it's no longer there, but it's very neat to see him kind of smashing on the on the window. Hey, hey. And they, they look up and they just turn right back to their food. <laughs> All the studio you know, rich folk who are enjoying their meal at Tavern on the Green. And then, of course, when the when the 
the beast strikes. They don't see it. They just see him <laughs> slump to the ground. Oh, it's only temporary closed, by the way. It's been, uh, it's been temporary closed for, I guess that must be seven years, though, because when oh, I moved. The website when I moved, says COVID-19. Is oh, they must, re- oh, oh. must have reopened. Okay, cool. Well, that's good. Yeah, so they're they're yeah, because you can it has all the reservations, it has everything open. Yeah, their website is up and Google found them too, so they, they must have reopened them since then. Okay, cool. That makes me happy. I like when old school things reopen. So good. Yes, excellent. Forget everything I said. Go to Tavern <laughs> on the Green, enjoy a nice meal, and yeah, pretend probably. you're prevent you pretend you're watching Lewis Tully, I think it was his last name. Yep. Pretend you know, you're watching Lewis Tully get attacked by a Zuldog. The thing is though, I would probably go there now just be my wife would want to go there just because. It's pricey, but it's uh, I've oh, never yeah, looking at. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not bad, huh? Uh, the cheapest thing I see is the assorted grilled vegetables for twenty four dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Hey, you can get a twenty eight <laughs> day dry, a day dry aged new loin sirloin steak only for fifty eight dollars. So. That would be the best damn steak you ever ate. And the cheapest thing is the organic Scottish salmon. That's what that for twenty nine dollars. It's not from Nova Scotia though, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm from Nova Scotia, so I'm not really gonna be interested in it because I only take my smoke salmon from from imported sources. You see, because I know I can get it domestically, but there's no the the quality isn't the same. Oh, that was that was perfect. That's wow. good. All right, that's it. I'm not gonna do that again, folks. You're you're, you're fine. You're good. Well, you know, hey, the, the lunch thing isn't so bad though. Lunch isn't too bad. <laughs> well, okay, never mind. I take well, it back. Welcome to Ghostbusters Foodies as we uh, <laughs> comb as we comb the menu of Tavern on the Green. Hey, if I ever went to New York and I and my wife knew this was a real place, she would want to go there just because you. So that's why I'm kind of looking at it now. But I mean, I, I wouldn't want to because I'd be like, ah, but I do. Anyway, okay, enough of that. So we, as we were saying. <laughs> So I kind of got the the impression the that the restaurant patrons couldn't see the dog for some reason because they never yeah. show it. He's backed against the glass. No, they 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 can't see him. It's uh, I they they can't see it. But that's interesting because the other guys could. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. It was just because of like the light where they were at, maybe in a way. And then when it possesses him, it it takes on a different form. Maybe the effect they used to do that was so bad. They, the editor was like, look, we guys, we can't do this. Guys, we can't do this. It probably was something more like that where they didn't want to film this. Where they probably couldn't get permission to film a scene where everybody's running out of the restaurant. Yeah. Probably. That might be really that. That could be. I could see that. Because sure. I could see the restaurant being like, especially in the 80s, like, no, no, no. We are not showing our guests running out of fear. Like, we will let you use the restaurant. But that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, from a comedy standpoint, it's funnier that they just don't react to. Yeah. It it is. It's a fancy restaurant, so yeah. And to, like a, yeah, and to be fair, if you're not from, you know, if you don't know the area, they don't mention it being Tavern on the Green, so it's just restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happen to know it is Tavern on the Green because I, I know that area. But yeah, you um, used to live there. <laughs> so anyway. right, and, and this is when Peter shows up for his date, and I I love this when Dana's standing there in her orange dress, and she's like, "Are you the key master?" And he's like, "No," and she just slams the door on his face. <laughs> Knock, knock, knock. Are you the key master? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. And I, I like that. And it doesn't take long before Zool, the Zool possessed Dana figures out that this guy is just some idiot. But Zool's like, I don't give a shit. Like, let's just have sex. And he's like, as much as I want to, I can't do this. And it, it's the one time where the character isn't as sleazy as he's been the whole movie. Yeah, that's. I got that in my notes, too. This is like the most human he feels. Yeah, because he's like, I want to, but I I just shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I I like that. I like how she's, you know, she's calling him a puny mortal or something like there's some line like that. And she's just like ready to sleep with him. She's like, I don't care. Which kind of, I mean, can make sense. I mean, this is a god that's been around for all these years that, you know, so it's just like, you know, 
you know what? I'll have sex before I murder everyone. Why not? Yeah. Like it, it to me, it was interesting. It, it was more interesting now as I was an adult than it was when I seen this movie any other time. It's fueled by base desires. More or less. Yeah, like that's a good putting it. Yeah, this is good. This is, you know, this is uh, Venkman again, like you said, showing showing a little softness. You know, he's not a monster, right? He realizes what's going on immediately, which I think is interesting because it implies that they've seen this before in their months and months of ghost busting, right? So he probably knows exactly what this is. He's And they've already talked about the Zool thing. They've already kind of remember because when they were in Lincoln Center – Mm-hmm. He was there to give her an update on yep. Zool, right? And tell us more about Zool and 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 Gozer and all that good stuff. So he kind of he are he's already on the on the hunt for this information, and he's he sees he goes, okay, well, clearly you're not in your right state of mind, and I could be a complete dirtbag and do this with no reservations, but I'm not that guy. Like he's he's sleazy, he's selfish, but he's not a monster, right? So. And I think that's and that's okay. Again, we're not expecting this guy to be. We don't want him to take you know a complete one eighty turn, which he doesn't really. And he has an affection for. Her. There's it's there's definitely in those moments when they're together, they clearly have. He has more than just a you know I wanna I wanna you know I wanna try to think say say a delicate word, but I, I I want to engage with you. I it's more than that. It gets a little more than that, right? He wants to go on a date. He brings flowers. Now you don't have to do that if you're just trying to you know. Sleaze your yeah. way into some into love, and he actually has that great line where he goes, "I guess the flowers really worked." <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of good lines in this scene. In this whole scene, it's great. He has my other favorite one is when he's like, I think he's kind of like on top ish, and he goes, "Yeah, I can't. No, I can't." And he <laughs> flips himself over. She's like, "I want you inside me." He's like, "Oh, you got sounds like you got two or three people in there already." <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, and it's the way Bill Murray delivers those lines are also matter of fact and natural like they're not delivered as jokes they're just Mm -hmm. delivered as reactions and that is i think his genius in this is that they all feel like just natural reactions from a very funny person dealing with a very strange situation that that he kind of sort of knows what to do with he and he as we'll see a little later he kind of knocks her out with some with i guess he i guess he goes to a date with uh with a syringe (laughs) full of knockout juice and his is uh No, I didn't think about that. Yeah. No, that is way uh, you know what? I didn't think of that until just this moment. That all remember all that niceness I said? Like, oh, this is a nice little soft turn. Take it back. Take it back. That's, that's fine. Put it back in there. Oh, yep. Yeah. You know, that that's where did that come uh, from? You know, I didn't really think about that when like, okay, you just drunk your doo doo to do and I'm like, wait a second. Maybe it was in the car. <laughs> yeah, right. Hang on, hang on there, uh keep hang on, gatekeeper. I gotta that's something the car for you. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little marital aid I have. I don't about it. It's fine. It'll be fun. Yeah, comes walks, walks in the door. He's like, he's getting ready for the date. He's like, I got my flowers, alone, <laughs> rehypnol. Yep, there you go. Shringe of rehypnol. Boom. Let's go. Let's have our, let's have some uh, fun. God, man, I wish I didn't think that. I, I wish really you didn't either. Really it made this part so much worse. His, uh, really his, did. his favorite peck of blindness does this smell like chloroform to you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I never did like Bill. I didn't like Bill Murray's character movie. Now I like him a whole Peter Beckman a whole lot. So I'm like, hmm. I'm, I'm, you know what? I, in my heart, I'm going to chalk this up to plot hole and just leave it at that. Just 
plot. It's probably more accurate <laughs> that they just didn't know what to do exactly. So they're like, oh, it could be in his bag. But this also would have been before things were as known with like date rape drugs and the culture that we're at now that we're in 2020 versus 1984. Yeah, I don't think. I, th- I don't. There's nothing malicious. I can't imagine that. I don't that think it's malicious, but I think just in general, like that wasn't something that would have been thought of as much where now in 2020, that's where our brains went immediately. Uh, only went there at this moment. During watching the movie, I was like, I was just fine. Okay, clearly. He's a, I mean, he I would say more of, he is a scientist. He is like, it was like you said, it's probably in his car of just different supplies that he had in case things happen and just happened. And he, so he had that type of mixture. But now in 2020, all we can think of, he's a rapist. Is what, you know. <laughs> oh, I think it's more of just where we are at you know, because of the way the world is now. Yeah, well, that's fine. That's, all, that's why I would say that's why that came to you. Thanks, Bill Cosby. Yeah. You see, <laughs> yeah. Way to go. All right. So, oh. so he, so we didn't get to, let me see here. Yeah. This is where we get one of the most iconic lines in this show, right? Uh, there is no Dana, only Zool. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I meant to make that joke. Creepy. What a lovely singing voice you must have. <laughs> And his delivery is so good. It's so quick. He's sharp. Everything is so sharp that he delivers. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I don't know how you guys don't like that character. He's so funny. Moranis, who got possessed by the dog, is now running around. And I like that part when he goes <laughs> up to the horse and he's like, hey, I need a ride to the, you know, do you know who the gatekeeper is? And the guy's like, hey, talk to me. I make the deals. And he says something about uh, his eyes turn red. like, oh, what an asshole. Yeah. Wait for the sign. Soon all prisoners will be set free. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it works. Yeah, I wonder she how much of that was just you know improv. improv. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And then and then she has her um, she has her magic trick where she floats in the air. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it's, it might have been cool in, in 1984. I don't know. It was, I was again fine. It, it is cool. That's yeah, neat. Yeah, it was cool. Again, graded on a curve, but uh, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> it's just, I love just how Venkman never reacts to anything with any real surprise or alarm. It's always with fascination, like, huh. <laughs> huh, she's floating. It's like you said, he's still a scientist in there somewhere. He's still a scientist, and he's seen a lot of this already, right? So not some of this is part of his job at this point. So. Yeah, and they've been doing this for a few months. And this is also when Rick Moranis' character gets arrested by the cops, and they're like, well, we don't know where to bring him, so, well, we brought him to you guys. <laughs> I love Janine's reaction to the cops, dropping off or picking up. <laughs> <laughs> dropping off. There's a again one of the one of the one of the YouTubers I, I like who was talking about this show show talking about yeah, this movie <laughs> yeah talking about this movie he uh, he uh, he was saying that he likes that scene because it really shows how confident this movie is in just being still and not doing anything that's a very mundane scene and that line picking up a dropping off is so dry but so funny. Because it's so mundane, but it's showing again how mundane this has become. Evidently, they're always dropping off crazy, you know, uh, possessed <laughs> people all the time. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to drop this guy off to you. And um, I, I love that because, again, it's confident enough to just shut up and have this really clever little moment, you know, and they bring Tully in. Whereas, from what I understand, in the 2016 Ghostbusters, they do nothing but talk. It's always filling space. Constantly, just keep keep filling space. Can't have moments of silence. Everyone's got to talk at some point. And this movie is very confident. Again, just having that very simple, good, good, very good joke. But we also papered over or passed over where uh, Lewis Tully ends up in Columbus Circle and talks to a horse. 
I always love that scene when he talks. He's he's telling the horse about the coming of Zul and mm-hmm. the Kozer and the Keymaster. I I don't know why I always get a kick out of him talking to that horse. So I just want to say that because I like that scene. And, this, and then the in, the interview is funny too. When when uh, Rick Moranis' character is being interviewed by by Egon, he's like, I don't think he's completely human. And you know they're just doing. He has like the the freaking grater on his head with wires and stuff. It's funny. It, Finn, it's amusing part though. Vince Vince Cortho, man, that's hard to say. This is what he keeps telling everyone his name is. And Janine's got his wallet. It says here he's Lewis Tully. This is a Central Park <laughs> West. Uh, that yeah. accent. That accent's very New York, isn't it? That she did oh, yeah. this movie. Sure, yeah. it's extremely New York. Yes. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Again, we're we're getting some more exposition. It's nice to see. Uh, it's nice to see Janine and and Egon together. You know, and again, she's clearly trying to initiate some sort of, you know, reaction from him and trying to initiate a relationship of some sort. He is just too science focused and one single minded to know anything, just just <laughs> barreling through. It's cool. It's a bit if, if this movie had any sort of kind of like a, a saggy middle, it would be here because we're, it's, it starts kind of like not drag. This movie is a beautiful length. It's an hour forty five leg and that and of course, five minutes of that is credits. Right. So this thing shorter than this podcast. It's yeah, absolutely. Hey man, listen, we got dying on these things. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, uh, so it moves quick, right? But this, this is just a little bit of a saggy middle where it feels a little padded, little, you know, not much interesting or fun is going on. Rick Moranis hamming it up, you know, trying to drink from the coffee pot and sniffing, <laughs> rubbing pizza on his face. Fun, but can't have having fun. Um, but that's where we're at with that scene. They, they kind of leave Tully to his devices. And then they, where we go from there. This is when the police show up and they should, Peck comes back to shut down the building. We got, before that, we got Ray yeah. and Winston. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what they're talking about. The, Judgment Day. That, that's a good scene. I do like that scene. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's kind of adds some, some color to, to um, Winston's character where he, yeah, it's kind of cool. But he kind of, you know, adding a little bit of insight, like, yeah, this is kind of like, end of days stuff you know biblical stuff and they're all scholars so of course they know you know not like believers or believers or anything but they're aware it's cool of the, of the- yeah they're aware of you know the you know they would they would have they would refer to as like a myth you know like all the stories of all of religions and yeah no it's interesting it's a, it's a cool scene you know again this movie's kind of slowed down here it's really now it's 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 kind of storing up energy for the very very big ending we're gonna have in about 15 minutes yeah, you said so the saggy middle. It definitely feels like it's just leading everything up for the the finale here. Yeah, I mean, in saggy middle, I'm talking like the the least saggy saggy middle you could pop possibly have. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not like horrendous. Like, okay, yawn. I'm gonna go get a go get a snack now. But it's definitely this is kind of like all this is a settling moment, and then we're gonna yeah. start ramping up again. And I do he like it when they get when Peck shows up and he shuts them down and and the guy doesn't want to do it. He's like, I don't understand this. I've never seen this before. And he does it, which again that that whole explosion scene, and then you have all the ghosts escaping. And I do love the little montage type scene afterwards. You see like the ghost just causing problems and running amok, and you have like the the ghost goes to the taxi cab. The guy's like, Oh, take me here. And there's a zombie sitting there driving the taxi. He starts almost crashing it. Like that, all that stuff still held up to me. It was still really cool and creepy. It's great. Uh, I mean, yeah. My favorite point part about the the scene with Peck shutting down the grid is Lewis. If you watch him, every time someone like points a finger or makes a movement, he's mimicking it. Oh, yes. (laughs) So Peck holds up his finger to to Venkman's face and then he does it too. It's 
<laughs> I didn't catch that. Very <laughs> funny. Good. Yeah. And then they, they get arrested because mm-hmm. of whatever the hell. They just get arrested because of the explosion, I guess. And I like it when they're in jail and they're talking to all the other people like in, the, in this big room and they have <laughs> blueprints out. I don't know how the hell they got blueprints, but they got blueprints yeah. and they're looking at the stuff. They're like, okay, this is this and this. And God, it's it's funny. Yeah, this is where I find about why the building is the the center of all this stuff, like Bill is saying. And it's meant to be a big magnet for the, the coming of Gozer. I have the line here. Ray, pretend for a moment that I don't know anything about metallurgy, engineering, or physics, and just tell me what the hell is going on. You never studied. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. She's not my girlfriend. I find her interesting because she's a client, and because she sleeps above her covers four feet above her covers. She barks, she drools, she claws. Like, okay, it's, it's funny. It's pretty good. No, it's it's that's a, it's a pretty great moment. I do like the fact that they're sitting there studying these plans and blueprints and maps. <laughs> In the middle of the holding cell, and all and all the other, you know, prisoner prisoners, but everyone else in the jail cell is kind of looking over the shoulder, like, oh, okay. Yeah, as the scene goes on, there's more people gathered around them. And I like the the line from Ernie Hudson, the one that only the only one actually makes it. Are we actually going to go before a federal judge and tell him that some moldy Babylonian god is going to dr- drop in on Central Park West and start tearing up the city? Not like I like that he's like, I need a new lawyer. I need my own lawyer or something like that. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, Ernie's got some good lines coming up too. Um, then we see Carl Winslow for for one line. Yes. Oh yeah. Reginald Bell Johnson. This is one of the first roles he had, according to IMDb. This really? Is before okay. even Die Hard. <laughs> the, the the casting director of Die Hard must have loved him so much <laughs> in this bit part. He's like he plays a standard cop really well. He, he delivered that lie with gumption. After Die Hard, they're like, let's give this guy his own TV series where he plays a cop. Yeah, he's sorry. He does play a cop. In the- Man. Yep. Forever a cop. Good old family. Typecasting. You also have the key master meets the gatekeeper finally because Miranda's character got away when the building happened, when the blow up of the of the headquarters, and he just and he finally wanders off the apartment building. And when they meet each other and they kiss and then they go up the roof. And there's a scene later on, like I'm like, I, I, it's funny because like you know they had sex just the way that he's looking. <laughs> like he just had this big smile on his face yeah. and he's kind of yeah. like, oh, what happened? It's just he- great. Being possessed by Zola is probably the best thing that ever happened to Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> finally, yep, finally got her. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. It's, and, it's uh, we know this is a bad thing because when Peter's on the phone with Egon earlier, he's like, we have got to get these two together. And Egon's like, I think that would be extraordinarily bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now I know why. Egon with insight nobody else has. Yes, Egon is good in this movie. He's good, yes. Yeah. Very good. I've never seen Harold Ramis in any other movies, though. He's in Groundhog Day for one scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've seen that movie, but that, <laughs> I, I don't remember him in any other in movies, really. He was never an actor I follow other than I know him in these movies. Yeah. But I, I do like when the when the, the mayor gets him out of jail, you have them getting escorted to the courthouse. And there is a funny-ass line where they're like, where Ray is like, everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. <laughs> and They caused an like, explosion. Is true? He's like, yes. It's true. And all I can think of, yeah, this man has no dick. Like, it's a very <laughs> stupid joke, but he delivers it so, like, just, you know, straight face and everything that it works. The, yes, there's not a hint of, like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, he delivers it so straight. Yes, this man has no dick. <laughs> and, it, and it is just a funny retort to you know, to something that, that that's said, right? It's just a great response. And again, Bill Laurie just... Man, he's just really great. I, mean, I, I keep gushing about the guy, but he is—he is just so right for this part because he delivers all everything so naturally. It almost seems like everything he says is not a joke, even though it's a joke. If that makes yeah. sense, 
Yeah. Right. It seems like it's 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 just part of who he is. He's not being jokey. He's just being funny. If that makes, again, if that makes sense. I again, also like when works. they're when they're in, when they're trying to convince the mayor to let him go. He's like, hey, the worst thing, you know, it's like if you let us go, we can stop this. Like, what if you're wrong? If we're wrong, you know, lock us up and we call it a day. <laughs> yes, I love that logic. That's great. I mean, it's perfect logic because it's also what gets them out of jail and gets them to go do what they need to do. Because he's like, hey, if we're, you know. It, so they know they're not wrong, so they're not like they're really gambling with anything. And he says, if we're right, then you, he calls him by his first name, will have just saved the lives of millions of registered voters. And that's, <laughs> I what, love that. that's what puts the <laughs> smile on the mayor's face. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's what matters. I mean, if you're, you know, you're, we're in election cycle right now, like, you don't want to be pissing people off in election <laughs> cycle because then they're not going to vote for you. So it makes sense. Like, it's a very political thing. Like, you're right. Huh? I get to save the voters. Like, you know, like, yeah, because that's what matters. Yeah. No, well, it's a little good commentary. I found it weird that, like, the, the cardinal shows up. Yeah. That was really weird to me. I I was like, okay. Yeah, but apparently no one knew a separation of church and, and state were in 1984 or, or 2020, for that matter, huh? That is weird. I know, it was just a weird thing, I guess. Because they're trying to get in, like, and again, a, a religious angle or faith thing. But it was just a very out-of-nowhere kind of thing. And it wasn't played for laughs. Like, there wasn't any – there wasn't really a joke there. It was no, just like – No, it wasn't a humor. Like, I, I can't give you any advice, you know, per something, but I don't remember. It, it just felt unnecessary. Yeah, it was weird. I, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And again, there was, like, no no joke. almost seemed like there was no point to it. Or there may have been something there that was cut. I don't know, but – and then, of course, Vanquin has my favorite line and one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is <laughs> with that whole the whole back and forth when they're talking about what do you mean biblical? And they start going back and forth. It's Old Testament, Mr. Mayor, you know, wrath of God type stuff. And then Vanquin ends with human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Oh, <laughs> it's great. Fantastic. It's just so yep. good. It, it's it, it's fun. And then just when you have the police escort and they get to the apartment building, and you have all those people cheering. Like, that part is cool. I guess part of that was just the fact that, you know, these are the guys from Saturday Night Live, and they just had a bunch of extras to stand there cheering because they know these guys. It's part of what that that scene is, I think, too. Yeah, probably. Well, it's this, in the documentary that I forgot to watch before this movie. This yeah. is an odd scene, though. This is where, like, the ground cracks apart, and the onlookers think they're dead or something? Yeah, they think they die. They, fell, they fall down the hole, it, and they climb uh, back out, and everybody starts cheering. The music comes back. It's felt... Unnecessary. It's like, extremely out of place. It is. It's. It. It is kind of unnecessary. It's because it doesn't go anywhere. It's just a neat scene because it's a pretty cool effect, and the effect's actually still pretty pretty cool. It looks like almost it looks like an adventure, like a theme park, like one of those like theme park water <laughs> things. Yeah, where the ground Splash. comes apart. Yeah, exactly right. When the thing comes apart, and then you know the cop car slips down. You know, but it sells it, and it's it's a cool effect. My wife um, said that she's like, yeah, you know what that would not happen again this being new york it's like that's part of new york and central park west is built on solid bedrock <laughs> there's there is like hundreds of feet of of rock beneath that so that wouldn't really happen that's not a thing that would actually happen in in the real world of new york it doesn't happen there are things called sinkholes they do happen but that's uh, but not not like that in that area so it's like okay me i had no idea and evidently lower manhattan's built on a landfill so oh. Hmm. It's lower Manhattan that could probably happen. Not not up there. The more you know, folks. The more you know. Just <laughs> why you're perfect, for, you're perfect for this episode. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of like your um. This is this is my uh, Captain America, where you're you're sharing everything you know about <laughs> World War Two. 
and I and I'm now sharing all of my neat little nuggets of New York information, so everyone can just enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying I, it. I, I, I've never been yeah. to New York, and, and now I want to go to New York someday. There you go. You should go. I don't want to go to that restaurant, even though I probably would just because it was in a movie. But and It's probably know. not worth it. Um, but it's a cool – I do I do like that. It's a very effective, neat scene. I just don't like the fact that when they emerge, it's like nothing happened. They just walk in. I was like, this is this had no point because the move – when you have a scene like that, there has to be a point, right? A reason for that to happen. If you take that scene out – Nothing's changed, right? They walk up and they walk in, right? That, so that whole sequence was really just put there because, you know, some special effects people were like, you know what? <laughs> Another 50 grand in the budget. I bet you I can make that, that uh, street fall apart for you. Really? Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> they shot it. It looked cool. Then they kind of went for it. it it's, it's, it's a cool scene, right? But it, it doesn't, doesn't really flow into the movie and it just feels like it's plopped in there, but. So one one uh, one blemish, and then you have the comedy scene where they're going, they're climbing up the stairs, so there's no elevator. I like that. He's like, "Let me know when we get to twenty. I'm gonna throw up." Yeah, that impossibly long staircase. Yeah. Oh man, that's a cool effect though. It also, neat, but... now that I know twenty is technically the roof of the building, even though in this in the movie it has twenty two floors, but in reality it only had twenty floors. So maybe that was a reference to that or something. Uh, all I know is it was famously replicated in the Ghostbusters game for the NES. Is the that the, that's the famous level in that game where you have to go up and down the stairs? You guys don't know about this? It's famous. Uh, I just I know, know that game. game's awful. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's the that's the killer of the game is that there's one point when you go into the into the buildings, you have to navigate your your party up and up twenty flights of stairs, literally. But you don't have full control of it. I think. You have if you like hold A, they'll move up. But if you release, they stop. And there's ghosts going everywhere. So you have to like dodge these ghosts. So imagine if you're walking up like Castlevania stairs that you have no real crazy control on. You can't jump. You can't shoot. Can't do anything. But you can't like use the D pad. You have to use like the A button to like move them up, as if you're like pushing them up a ladder almost. Like it's I'm it's insane. It this looks awful. Oh yeah, like no. Look, I'm like it, no, God no. No, oh, it's 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 uh, horrendous. It's kind of famously horrendous uh, level, and it's like it's literally because they want to be faithful to the movie. Twenty floors of this. So, Mike, the closest reference I can make for you is Magus's castle when you're going up the exterior, and it basically like simulates Donkey Kong where you're dodging enemies going up. It's like that, but like the enemies kill you when you touch them. I'm watching it right now too. Yeah, they're like oh. one. It's like one hit kill. So as soon as I saw this scene, I was like, oh, that's the. Oh, that looks that's bad. Oh, and you can't hit him or anything either nope. when you're going up the stairs. You just <laughs> nope. wait. You just got to wait. Sit there and wait. And there's four of you. Floors. And there's And there's four of you. Because so if any one of you gets hit, it's game over. You start over again. Oh, that is. This looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty famously bad. I've never, so, never seen this before. They go past 20. 22, and then you get to the roof. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Right. Well, Mini, here a... we come next year. Oh, God, no. God, here we go. Yeah, that's not happening. That's this. Oh. <laughs> I, I will call out sick on that day. So anyway, yeah. So Miles' also, question. Was, oh, go ahead. Sorry. This is when uh, Dana turns into you get. They get to the top of the roof finally, and then both Dana and Rick Moranis turn into dog. Yep. And Gozer shows up. Hey, Gozer. I like can... Gozer. I mean, all I can think of was David Bowie when I first saw Gozer. Yeah, absolutely. Same. <laughs> same. Same. I, 
I, I like now that I'm older, I think I like the fact that they chose a woman for Gozer that and they make comment like I thought it was a he. Well, it can be whatever it wants to be. Yep. You know, I thought that was just kind of cool that it was a you know female representation of this god that's going to destroy the universe and not and not what would have been the more common thing to go with a male. Yeah, cool choice. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the bookends because the movie starts with Ray confronting a ghost, not really knowing what the hell he's doing, and then he kind of gets the chance to do it again. It's like, hey, uh, as a representative of New York, and I have to ask you to go back wherever you came from in the nearest parallel dimension. <laughs> Bangman's like, yeah, that'll do, Ray. Thanks. Okay, nice Are job, Ray. Like, God. <laughs> no. No. I do love that. If someone asks if you're a god, just say yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you say yes. Oh, I love that. I really do enjoy that line and everything with that. Like, it's just so freaking. This part was really good. Oh, yeah. And, and then we're coming the up. Lines. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then so we... this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. <laughs> we shoot and miss. Multiple times. Yep. Oh, and then, you know, you, then you have the famous line, choose your destroyer. And they're like, all right, Eric, empty your minds. And then, and then all of a sudden she's like, you have chosen. So hold on. Before yep. we get any further into this, uh, Bill Murray's character is explaining to him. He's like, so what do you think of Jagger Hoover? She'll bring J. Edgar Hoover, but isn't that saying his name like that? Thinking of J. Edgar Hoover? Yes. Sh- shouldn't he be yeah. out there destroying everyone? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Right. So exactly. Huh. That's a very good point. Why? Yeah. It's a very good point. But he wouldn't uh, be as iconic as the uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, who's no, appeared no. in every Ghostbusters medium from here on. Yeah. Yeah. What follows here when he thinks of Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? I think if you had to like catalog the 50, I'm sure there's a YouTube video somewhere about it, but like the 50 best moments in American cinema, this would be on there. This oh, would yeah, be on there. Has to. I mean, I would say top 20. This is so good. It's almost embarrassing how good it is because it almost feels like I wish I had thought of this just as a person. This scene does so many things that in one fell swoop, it creates an imposing character. It's adorable. Likeable. <laughs> it's funny, super funny. It calls back if you were paying attention mm-hmm. and saw those marshmallows next to the eggs, which you weren't the first time you saw it, but it rewards a repeated viewing. And it's tickling all these different pieces of your brain that that are all working together, right? It's nothing's fighting each other. You're you're concerned because you have this giant marshmallow man destroying things. You're you're giggling because he's so cute and adorable. You're laughing because it's absurd. It is phenomenal. The framing of the shot, the way it approaches, the 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 angles, like the imposing lo- angles, the low angles looking up. Every effect works still. It, it looks flawless. And I watched this on UHD you know, 4K <laughs> on, on Amazon. You know, I, like I watched it on like. Did you rent it too? I did. Yes, I did. I had to. Awesome. <laughs> not, to get, not to get very, very off track. We have the deluxe edition DVDs. But when I opened up the DVD, Ghostbusters 1 was gone. Yeah. And I went, oh. and I was like, what? I go, it's gone. And she goes, oh, what? I guess it's gone. So I, I didn't but, really try to look for it. Yeah. But I was it's, like, fuck it. I'll rent it. It's sitting on a shelf behind me. It's literally on the shelf. So <laughs> we asked that question in, in 25 minutes. Um, this just does so many good things. And it's just imposing again, like I said, the and even for me, it's geographically accurate. It's like he's coming up Broadway towards Columbus Circle and he's going to make that turn up to Central Park West. It's like all the joy, all the joy molecules just jumping up and down. 
and the execution's beautiful and the payoff's great. So boom. It's amazing. What do you guys think? <laughs> Sorry. I, I feel like I, I don't I feel like I completely hijacked that whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you uh you pretty you covered it pretty well. I like it. It reminds me of Godzilla, and that works. Yeah. yeah. King yeah, Kong even. He starts climbing the building. Yeah. Oh, uh, I forgot because he all my brain thing when he climbed the building, you shoot him from the building and went, Oh yeah, wrong thing. That's the game. Yeah. That's the movie. The movie <laughs> yeah, he just climbs to the top of the building and he's climbing up while they're doing the whole scene, and it's when they and then he dies at the end of that scene. I had thought they fought him like I got my medium confused. Yeah, that game. They sure wanted to uh, remind you that Ghostbusters was a thing because you fight the librarian ghost, you fight the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, you do the whole ballroom thing with Slimer. I mean, I do want I'll keep it quick, but the, the I said this on the episode 56 also, but the, the game really feels the end of the trilogy of these three. Where yeah. the second one is a, is, a, is a different story. It doesn't involve what the first one really went with, but then the third one wraps the first one and the second one together and finishes the story. Like what it, can I, so, but yeah, it just, it felt very much like the end of that because it deals so much with Gozer also and they finished Gozer. Yeah, I need to go back and finish that at some point. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. I mean, it's not PS4 rematch. You can buy, play the Mirage version. On yep. sale, it's fine, but that's what I got. Play it on easy difficulty. Do not play it anything harder. You will be sorry near the end of that game. Oh, I, I was pretty sorry going up the uh, the bookcases or the the stairway made out of books, and I kept missing jumps and having to redo a whole thing. I'm like, I I need to step away from this. It, it, check out episode 56 to hear us all talk. Well, hear me <laughs> talk about it in a different cast, but <laughs> so and I, this is the part when they they talked about throughout the movie how they were how not to cross the stream. This is when they finally cross the stream because they're trying to reverse the polarity or something to stop to send back Zool, the yeah. Bowser, whatever the hell we're talking about right now is. Yeah. Reverse ionization. That's it. Yeah. I always get the science mixed. I always miss a lot of the science in this movie. Oh, man. Um, there's so much scientific jargon throughout this there movie. Is. It's hard to keep it straight. And they don't, it's not necessary for any of this. Like, you just, again, they've they've labeled the stakes appropriately. I think that's just more flavor because, again, there's a lot of science jargon in this. And yeah, it was reverse ionization. I don't know what that means. All I know is <laughs> crossing the streams was bad an hour and a half ago. Now they're going to have to do it. And I love the fact they don't expect to survive. Mm-hmm. They're scientists. They know what this stuff is. They don't, you know, they're not being, you know, dopey about it. They're like, they're looking at each other going, pleasure working with you. It was good to work with you, Mr. Bankman. You know, and uh, they're all just. They're ready to right, go. Like they know, it. like, this is the, you know, either save the world or die. Or, you know, save the world and die or just die. So right. why not? Yeah. And and I like this, too. It's a, it's a selfless act from from uh, Venkman, right? He could he could be like, no, come on. I'm not. No, we saw we, you another way. But he just says, OK, this is, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. So um, it's a cool moment. They uh, they cross the streams. They blow up the portal. And then Zul is not Zul. Sorry. Gozer is, I guess, sucked back into her portal. And the marshmallow man had gotten all the way to the top of the building, and you see his head just explode. Like that—that's why they're all of a sudden. <laughs> yep. Everybody but Bill Murray is covered in goo, like completely covered in goo. But for some reason, Bill Murray's not covered in goo completely. I was, I was just like—I was curious about that. I—I I, I didn't know why. So I saw this in your notes when I was looking ahead earlier, and my first thought was he, his character, would absolutely be the type to hide behind someone else, seeing that stuff coming at him. Yeah, maybe. It's the only thing I can think of. Or maybe Bill Murray didn't want to get, you know, more goop on him. <laughs> he felt like <laughs> he an got slime thing, not a movie thing. Yeah, I suspect that's it. But I, again, fine. Maybe. I also could be they, they may have wanted, um, you know, because he does have the tender moment with 
Dana when she does break out of the uh, out of the dog shell. Um, you know, and he, you know, they have a tender moment. You know, maybe they want to have that be unfa- un maybe have the frame. What's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, God, I'm running out of words. Like I'm very tired. You guys, know, you guys know I'm very tired. They, yeah, yeah, they just they wanted to have it a natural thing. They didn't want him to be in a giant, you know, puffy marshmallow suit. <laughs> just be two people, you know. I don't know. I would have rather had him covered in goo just because it would have made more sense. Maybe he just wipes off. I don't know. But I don't know. It, it bothered me a little bit for some for no reason. Uh, like it, it gave me pause. Yeah. I thought uh, it was an after thing where he's like, you slime me once. We're not doing this twice. <laughs> yeah. That's all course, I took uh, because... Good. Oh, you're good. I'm, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say Peck was the, uh, the secondary, vi- secondary villain. So he had to get his comeuppance too. And he gets yeah. just annihilated with a uh, stay puff goop. And he goes, he goes insane. Like his reaction to that is pure <laughs> insanity. Like it's actually frightening. He screams like, ah! He's writhing around. His head is, his head is going back and forth. His, he's doing some sort of weird tribal arms in the air thing. Like it's insane. It was actually frightening. I'm like, oh my god, dude, it's just some, just some marshmallows. Relax, dude. And, and then that's, and then he's all sad about Dana. And then she, they break her out of the. She breaks, starts breaking out of the stat of the dog right. statue. I like how they don't even give a shit about Rick Moranis' character. Well, no, because because he's you know uh, Vecman's with with Dana, and he looks over and he's like, "Hey, someone should go check on the little guy over there." Yeah, which is more of him being like, "Get out of here, get going, move it." <laughs> right in health hair. matters. Like, why does it smell? It smells like burnt dog. Oh, <laughs> burnt dog hair. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, and then they, they they rescue Dana, they rescue Rick Moranis, and they're all coming down the, you know, coming out of the whole leaving the apartment building. They're getting in the car. Everybody's cheering. And there's some. I I I, I normally would have stopped the movie at this point, but I'm like because of the show, I just kept watching to see what would happen. And it's just funny because each one getting in the car, and then you know the song's playing, and I'm dancing along with the song. Rick Moranis gets into the gets out. He's like, hey, you want to interview me? I I was up there too. <laughs> and then the paramedic just comes and he's like, I want to go in the car with him. I'm a witness. I'm an eyewitness. <laughs> like, God, it is funny. It, it uh, really holds up, and I was laughing. I was laughing. Ernie Hudson's, I love this town. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ernie Hudson's great in this movie. It definitely yeah, feels like this movie was made for New Yorkers. It, it was, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's got a lot of energy, yeah. Movies that made us, they do mention how they call it, like, this is their city, because at SNL, they were famous and everything, so, oh, you know, yeah. getting a movie in yep. their city was a big deal. Yeah, that makes sense. I, makes sense. Again, I forgot to watch it, so I could put more tidbits. <laughs> Check that out. Movies that made us on Netflix. Yeah, it's good. It's a good episode. Yeah, it's a good documentary. Yeah, no, it's very much so a, a New York movie. It's it's just ingrained into it, so, yeah, it's 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 pretty great. They have their big, heroic so long. They, uh, Dana, get they get a kiss, right? I think they kiss at the end. Yeah, they yeah it's a very '80s ending here. The big ex- exaggerated '80s ending. Evidently, every evidently when they it took them five hours to go from the roof to the floor <laughs> because they're up there it's nighttime. Like it's not like the, the sky could be darkened. I guess by by Zool and Gozer. Oh yeah, no, because even when it clears out, you you see stars. Right. Yeah, right. You see stars, right? And then all of a sudden they, they walk out of the room and I guess they decide to freshen up for eight hours, take a nap. Everyone stayed outside waiting they for them. They didn't have to take the 20, 20 stairs worth to get down. So Yeah, they turned the elevator back on. Yeah. Anyway, nah, was, well, yeah, and then I did <laughs> never notice before, but you have Slimer flying by at the end of the movie, flying yeah. off to hurt the camera. Gotta get that MCU stinger. <laughs> yeah. not, not stinger. And after watching all these dang MCU movies, 
I'm staying to the end of every movie. <laughs> and I know I don't have to. It's 1984. They weren't doing that then. Well, no, they weren't. Um, Ferris Bueller has that nice little stinger at the end. Yeah. But um, God, I, love that movie. I still, I still, I don't know why. My wife and I were sitting there talking about it. And I'm thinking, just turn this off now. I don't really have to sit here and wait for the very end. <laughs> MCU ruined it for everyone. I like, seriously. Every movie I go to see is, I got to wait for the credits. Got to see. Got to see. What I actually, sometimes this is very off topic. What sometimes I'll do if I'm doing that. I'll just look at the credits and I'll pick out one person at random. And be like, oh, hi there. Hi there, Jamie Smith, production designer number two. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll, I will mentally thank people they see randomly in the credits because no one looks at them. They're just yeah. there because they're legally obliged, uh, legally obligated to be mentioned. I mentally thank them. Maybe I have five or six people who no one ever notices. That's probably Marvel's biz. Like, we're going to make people care about these credits one way or another. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Why do you stick? Why do you make me stick around? I make me stick around. But anyways, no, that's <laughs> that's a uh, it's got a very yeah, 80s ending and it's they all leave and they get the police escort out and they leave. And that is Ghostbusters. I've heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel good to rewatch this movie, even though I watched this at like 10 o'clock last night. I had I had a whole plan. I'm like, OK, I'm good. We're going to order pizza. I'm going to come home. And we're going to I'm going to get some beers. I'm going to watch it with my wife. And then she tells me, no, nope, we're going out with her mom to Olive Garden. I'm like. But, but my plans. <laughs> so I didn't say that to her. I was thinking that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I had a good time. But I come home. So I get home at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, all right. I gotta watch this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, luckily it's a it's a trim hour 45. So yeah, like, it wasn't. I'm thankful it wasn't Endgame because when we do yeah. Endgame someday, oh, a year man. from now, oh, I'm gonna make sure that I'm like, we're watching Endgame tonight. There's nothing else happening. Endgame. Like I'm not staying up till three in the morning. Oh well, yeah. We'll we'll probably get a. We'll probably send. A, Will and the and the new arrival to the to Grandma Grandpa's, you know, <laughs> stay there. We're gonna, like you know plan plan the afternoon because uh, even Infinity War, you gotta like plan ahead for that shit. Yeah, you do. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, especially since I probably stopped the movie, you know, at least a few times to take notes and you know just kind of brush up on what I want to say and all that. And that just adds time. And man, when it's a three and a half hour movie, can't, <laughs> you gotta be efficient. Anyway. Oh, yeah. We'll be getting there soon. All right. Are you, I think we should, uh, before we go to shelf or shelf, I do want to mention, I've been watching this, I've been watching this uh, the music video about 10, 15 times while we've been talking. Uh, they have Chevy Chase and John Candy are both in the music video for some reason. And I, and I, and I think Chevy Chase might have been involved, almost was involved in this movie at first, but then they didn't. But I can't remember if I'm right or not. Huh. I, mean, I know John Candy was, I said, at the beginning of the, uh, the beginning of this episode. But, yeah, we didn't yeah. talk about uh, Eddie Murphy on on that was before then, the uh, proverbial green room. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Ernie, Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to be Ernie Hudson's character. We talked about how that would have been a very different movie because you can't have two two people that are completely over the top. Like, right. it just wouldn't have worked. No, yeah. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that we got the cast that we got. It's it's perfectly cast. The uh, cast is perfect. And, and I don't like saying the word perfect because there's always something you can improve usually. that's It could be almost you know hyperbolic. I don't know. But, the theme song is pretty perfect. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal, but I gotta say, like, I can't imagine making any changes, right? Like think, well, you know, this person might be a little better in that. No, like almost everybody in this movie was born to play the role they played from, you know, again, Bill Murray to the EPA guy to Lewis Tully to Carl Winslow. <laughs> born to be a cop. Born to be a cop. So uh, the casting in this is, is I think one of the most exceptional things and the writing is just 
glorious. I mean, this script is tuned to perfection. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. It's it's a wonderful movie. But that, sorry, I almost did my shelf for shelf. So. <laughs> Actually, what are, uh, yeah, we should go to shelf for shelf because uh, <laughs> I know none of us are going to box this, so I don't even need to say box. Right. Uh, Mike, since this was this is your idea to do this, why don't you go first? I mean, it's kind of like Bill said at the top of the episode, like, there's really nothing we can say about this movie that hasn't been said a hundred billion times by much more eloquent people. So uh, it's going on the shelf. Like, it's it's a classic for a reason. It's good stuff. And I guarantee this won't be the last time I watch it. I won't be watching anytime too soon because I'm not renting it again. But <laughs> it is, if it was on Netflix, I would definitely price it down and rewatch this again. Yeah, it definitely feels like one of those ones you should watch every Halloween, every October. Agreed. Uh, Bill, how about you? Yeah. Remember what I said earlier? It was on my shelf. Like, it literally, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a shelf behind me that 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 uh, dual DVD case for one and two are on the special deluxe edition. It's there already. So that's an easy answer. I, this is this is a close, very close to a perfect movie. Um, it, there are some blemishes, right? Some of it doesn't hold up. A couple things that, you know, kind of feel out of place. You know, the, you know, Bankman's a little questionable, you know, <laughs> he is yeah. a little problematic. He's, he's a product of the 80s that wouldn't fly these days. But honestly, there is so much joy to be mined from this. If you haven't watched it, I mean, I don't know why you listen to this episode. If you haven't watched it, it's insane. Just watch it. But uh, it's yeah, it's just it's just a wonderful experience. And I can't wait to experience this with like my kids. You know, I can't wait till I, you know, my kiddo gets to be like seven or eight. I'm like, hey, man, want to watch one of the best movies ever made? Ghostbusters, come on! And then when he's fifteen or sixteen, I'll be like, "Hey, want to watch one of the other best movies ever made? It's called RoboCop. Watch that one." That's exactly what I thought. I was be like, uh, "Hold on, <laughs> no, well, come on, now, listen, I'm not crazy." Uh, so no obviously, this movie. Uh, obviously this is a shelf of of high of, of one of the highest orders. So two bangers in a row. I got to go on Mega Man X, the last recording session I did with y'all, and now this will go right next to it. Uh, for Ghostbusters. So. You don't forget the other banger, Blade. It hasn't come out yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to stay in the timeline. Yeah, see, I'm trying. I'm even, uh, I purposely make fun of our time paradox the way we record now, because there are some episodes that might not go out for like months from the time they're recorded. Uh, so yeah, it's too hard to keep track of. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I show up, I talk and I leave. <laughs> let you guys figure the rest of it out. What about you, Mike? Um, I think this is also obvious. This is going on the shelf. I, I had a blast watching this movie, even though I didn't really want to watch it because I wanted to go to bed. And it's still so much fun. And this theme song is so fucking good. I've been listening. I mean, I, like I said, I'm getting near 20th time watch, listening to it while we've been talking. It is just, this movie is just so good. Like, everything about the movie is enjoyable. I will always enjoy watching this first film. You know, if it was on Netflix, I, I every time I go to Netflix, every time I'm like, you know what? I'll throw it on again and I'll rewatch it. It's like it's like Indiana Jones. I can just rewatch it, but this is easier to watch because it's not it's not it's not a very deep movie where you have to like, you know, or things are just you just throw it on, just enjoy it and laugh. You don't need to completely pay attention. It's fine. Fun movie. So going on the shelf, and I'm so glad that like suggested that we do this. Indeed. And now and the next year we'll do Ghostbusters Shoe maybe at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I, I've I seen it. Seen it I've seen it once or twice. I think it's one of those movies where I, I think I might have mentioned this phenomenon. I might have seen it its entirety over the course of like 10 years. You know, it's like on cable or something. So you pop it on. Oh, you're like, you know, at minute 45 and then you, know, you pop it off because you something else came on or commercial. And then six months later, it's on something else. And oh, that's the end of it. Okay. I think I might have seen it once in its entirety and then again, second time over the course of 10 years. So I don't think I've ever seen it in its entirety either because it, like you said, it's never a movie. I never really sat down and watched it anytime I can remember because people are always hate on it. 
I just and like <laughs> on the cable. I don't. I had it on DVD, but I never watched it. But I know I've seen parts of it, and I know of it. But I do want to look forward to sitting down and just tearing it apart, yeah. like we it's, do on the show. It's an odd one. My wife likes it a lot. She thinks it's very good. You there know, you go. We got, we got I trust her opinion. Afterlife coming out no, next year, right? Yeah, Afterlife. That's not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> no. Yes, after, Afterlife will be the the third, the only third Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> I do someday want to see 2016, just because I I want to see if it's as bad as people say it is. I'm curious. I'm not familiar with this film. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you didn't see it, though, right? <laughs> No, God no! Oh, I it just got it. such bad reviews, but I mean, I was curious about. It. I was interested in it when it first got announced. Uh, I, yeah, I, like I don't have any problem with all female leads or anything. I just I don't like I don't like Melissa McCarthy. She's I don't. Either. She plays the same character and everything she is, and it's just annoying. We got a lot of there's a lot of behind the scenes crap that was happening with that movie too, which I think gave it a bad name before it even came out. Yeah, you know, where they were kind of fighting for lines or something, and but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Hey, listen, Might I'll watch out for, for a podcast. I will watch nearly anything. So, yeah, well, one thing I do want to do someday. I'm going to put this on here just so it's, it's out in the recording world. <laughs> oh, no. I want to cover. I know Mike won't be there for this, but cover me, you, me, Bill and Peter and cover Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I... it's not it's not really in our wheelhouse of what the show is. But that movie is such a good movie movie that it's got to be talked about at some point. That's fantastic. I mean, are you not a fan? Uh, I, I I saw in film oh, history God. when I was in high school. That's the only time I've seen it. Oh yeah, it's that's just, uh, it's not my my flavor. That is a God. classic film history. That's a classic film school viewing. Watch this movie and t- yeah, watch this movie and and write a paper on it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I I watched it when I was editing one day. I'm like, oh, I'll throw this on. I haven't seen it. Well, I stopped editing just watch the entire movie because I just <laughs> I had to watch it. So it's yeah, it's I it's been a very long time, but it's fantastic. Yeah. So we watched that and Young Frankenstein and Shawshank. And those are the only thing I remember Ugh. in that class. Young Frankenstein is phenomenal. And Shawshank is very, very good. Shawshank still has, I think, the best ending out of any movie. It's such a good payoff. Never yeah. seen Shawshank. Ooh. It's pretty fantastic. It's Again, great. it's not in the wheelhouse of the show. But no, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> neither is Young Frankenstein, but that is Spooktober. So you never know. Yeah. Happen. I mean, who know? Who, who would have thought? I didn't. Wasn't expecting Ghostbusters to be on here, but it happened. <laughs> I really, it's true. Ghostbusters is quite the stretch. Like that's like it's a pretty. I mean, it's, this is not a spooky movie. This is a, a fun. No, comp- but I I like but September it's... stuff. Not like this would be released in September, not to be real spooky. And then we get in yeah. October, we go on the full blown horror. All right. It might as well. It might as well be a, a comic book movie, though. It really might. As, you're, you're right. And there's, a video, there's video games based on it, so it fits mm-hmm. in that world. I mean, it's got and, a comic book now. And not to not to make this episode more longer, <laughs> in the firehouse when they're eating their last Chinese meal with the last of their petty cash, there's arcade games in the corner. Yes. So <laughs> evidently, five year old Ray Ray decided instead of paying the electric bill, let's get some classic arcade machines <laughs> in the corner of our <laughs> dining room. So man, he really did go full kid with that money. Kid. kid it, Character building, character building, character building. All right. I think that should about wrap up this episode because this is almost two and a half hours long, raw <laughs> recording at the moment. So <laughs> if you enjoyed this, we got 
bunch of other spooky stuff coming up for you. We should have already did Alan Wake, so you should definitely check that out. And Luigi's Mansion should already be out, I think, at this recording, at the time of this release. If not, go listen to it. It's coming <laughs> out soon. I, can't, I don't know exactly when I'm going to do this. So we did a bunch of spooky stuff, so definitely check that out. We have last year's spooky stuff. And again, if I, as I've said for the third or fourth time, check out episode 56 if you need more Ghostbusters, where me and a different and the, uh, the and other people review the first Ghostbusters game. So definitely check that out. We went through the 2000... I don't remember what year that was. 10-ish? Yeah, something like that. The one for PS3, 360, and then remastered on PS4. But check out that. Check out if you want more. Essentially, what would have been Ghostbusters 3 if we got a third movie, if they wouldn't have stopped making movies after 1989 in Ghostbusters? 2009, for whatever that's worth. Okay, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Too bad I couldn't remember that, and I did not pull it in front of me. All right, and also, if you enjoyed this, definitely check out. We did tons. We're going through the MCU movies, and at the time of this, you're hearing this, we got all the original, we have the first phase is already up, so check that out. Spider-Man Spider-Verse just got released not too long ago at the time of this recording, so definitely check that out. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, a.k.a. Mike Tony from ZP Bite the Bullet. I also did an interview with him not too long ago, which should be out, so definitely go listen to that. God, this intro outro has become an ad for the show, <laughs> realizing the more we keep doing stuff. All right, and please, if you enjoyed the show, tell someone. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, let somebody know that you enjoy games my mom found and help, help more people listen to us, because... It helps us out. It helps us grow. It helps us become more. And that's what I want to do with this show. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where, you can find, where I'm constantly posting images of upcoming games and whatever new episodes we're doing on the show. Because now we do two episodes a week. We're constantly posting stuff. So definitely follow us on, on the social media. You can find us at Games My Mom Found. All right. And again, I want to thank Bill and Mike for doing this spooky Ghostbuster movie with me. Oh, yeah. I think that's all I need to say in this two and a half hour podcast. <laughs> all right. I think we've said plenty. We've said a lot. Indeed. And in the famous words, who are you going to call, guys? Uh, Ghostbusters. Someone else. <laughs> oh, I, I, I actually, went, I actually went for the went for the bit. <laughs> You're good. All right, we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.